trapped on an island with nothing to do. What games would you take there with you? With no one else around, you could go insane without your desert island games. Everyone is tuning in to Jail 76 Gaming. Hello. Hello, Bob. How are you? Grand, Grand. Sorry this took so long. Um, Not at all. I know you're busy. Uh, well, I'm incredibly unlucky. Um, <laughs> I was just um, the last couple of weeks on off. I've been kind of really sick, so um, it wouldn't have been much fun me having to pause every so often to, to throw up. So no, not at all. Uh, it, it's, it's funny to see you, you're unlucky. You're supposed to have the luck with the Irish. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was. I obviously missed that gene somewhere along the way. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, what teenagers on the old uh, stream or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, I was doing a mighty yawn there for a second. Sorry, because I, I haven't had to sleep either. Sorry, go on. I'm saying I, I've, I've not spoken to you for a while on the live stream or anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I've um, I've kind of been stuck doing other things, um, and I, I was trying to get on. Every time it was going to be on, I was kind of trying to get onto the to the uh, the live stream and uh, uh, something crop up, but I'd have to turn around to Steve the last minute and go, "Oh no, I can't make it. I'm really sorry." So um, I, I need to get back and do more of them again. They're great. Yeah, they still are great. They are, of course. I, I've, I've been on a few recently. Well, in the last few months, they'll be doing it. I'm usually on the first, you know, they'll split it into two. So I'm usually oh, on the first one. Yeah, I usually get the second one because I'm putting the, the kids to bed. Um, yeah. And it's... Uh, sometimes they go to bed easy. Sometimes they got to just kind of... just. I'm not going to say hold them down, but you got to kind of just kind of wait until they fall asleep and it can take a while, so... Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks again for coming on. I know, I know that you're um, busy with kids and college and work and all that sort of thing. I know, no, it's good to it's good to actually get back into my retro man cave and uh, <laughs> force yourself to to grab a couple of things out and play them. So that was that was kind of what I was doing today, just psyching myself up, um, looking playing terrible games. So, um, yeah. Poison Masters and the Meg Drive, by the way, uh, it's an absolutely terrible kind of Mega Drive beat 'em up. But I was going, oh yes, I'll have to play this. Uh, <laughs> it's still rubbish. Yeah. So some of these games are never never as um, good as we remember them, are they? Well, no, because it was one of the first Meg- Mega Drive games I got. And I, this is like, remember thinking, oh, this is just like Street Fighter. It's nothing like Street Fighter. It's, oh. you know, it's just some tiny little kind of uh, sprites. They had one move each and um, other than, you know, one special move each. And uh, yeah, it's not it's not really very good. <laughs> but I remember it being awesome, you know, like all the games that I Gonna talk about. It. I remember being yeah. awesome. So yeah, well, I was playing Mortal Kombat three earlier on the Mega Drive. Um, basically, because I'm doing the, I'm going through the, the Mortal Kombat's for, from a channel. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, no. so. yeah. Um, and oh, I was so hard. I don't. I'm, I'm on the easiest level, and I just can't even win a matchup. I don't know if it's maybe the controller that I've. I basically, I'm playing it on an Xbox, like a modded Xbox. So I've got an emulator on there. Um, well, yeah, it could, I mean, it, it could be the controller. It could be the fact that, like, you know, Mega Drive games were hard. I mean, they they didn't walk you through. There was like, um, it, you know, it, the game was expected to last you six months, so it was like insanely hard to start off with. Yeah, a lot of them were anyway. And I, well, I don't know. I'm rubbish at Mortal Kombat, so I could I could play the first one of the Meg, and, and uh, I wasn't too bad at that. But um, as long as I had Sub Zero, but anyone else was screwed basically. So. <laughs> I was always a Lucan. Uh, man. Oh well, no, yeah. he's he, he's really impressive. Like I remember, like in the arcades, if you could play with him and you knew what you were doing, you look really awesome. All I was, I was just like, you know, ice, 
Freeze the guy, uppercut, freeze the guy, uppercut, freeze the guy, uppercut, slide. That was yeah. it. If, if you ever if you ever watched my Mortal Kombat videos, all you'll see is me using the uppercut move and nothing else. <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it looks so awesome. It yeah. looks like a special movie, even though it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's that's why I struggled with Mortal Kombat 3, for, because the, the old move in the first two for the uppercut wasn't... It's, it's as if they, take, they had taken it out. So I, that's why I thought it's something to do with the controller because I've seen one of the opponents doing the uppercut on me, so I know it's still available. It's, it, just, it's, it's just not the same controls. They might change the timing on it. I know because yeah. I think the uppercut was part of the. Um, you'd uppercut them and you'd go up through a level. If I remember right, like you'd be in a subway yeah. and you'd uppercut them onto the to the street. Yeah. Um, I remember that was definitely part of it. Ah, I'm just thinking, who the hell did I used to? I think I used to play with Sindel and that. You know the uh, the big the, scary banshee the, woman. Yeah, the one with uh, the hair. Yeah, I think was yeah. It, yeah, was she playable? I'm just thinking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I played with her. Um, sounds dodgy, actually, doesn't it? No, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, because I, I, I was the the PlayStation version. I, I played that a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the it was, I think it was trilogy or something. It was sort of like oh no, it was trilogy. It was basically uh, Mortal Kombat three plus bits from two and one as well. I, I for, had that one. Yeah, yeah, I had that one on the PlayStation as well. Yeah. Awesome. In fact, I've still got it on. Oh, is it? It's, it's either Ultimate. Mortal Kombat or Mortal Kombat 3 I've got on Xbox Live you oh, right. download it it's pretty cool I got the um, the PC I think it's is it collect- oh, it's the collection I've got it's the Ultimate Combat Collection or whatever it is mm-hmm. it was um, in a humble bundle once for like you know with a lot of other games for like a 5 or so I was like oh I'll get that uh, and then nobody uh, no, it was using games for Windows Live as its matchmaking system so I've never played uh, a game online with it there's never been it's never been able to matchmake me with anyone else and it never will now because it, uh, the games for Windows Live doesn't exist anymore on the PC so uh, yeah. sounds like a waste that was a bit rubbish in fairness um, it was a lot rubbish actually it was over you know you'd, you had to what was it uh, one of the Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto Four, you had to create a a Rockstar uh, social club, whatever it was, login, and then you had to create a games for Windows Live login to yeah, actually yeah. get into the game, even if you're never never going to play online. So uh, that was annoying. Yeah, I know. Yeah, or and, um, and I also also forgot your password because <laughs> oh, the... you don't use it. Oh yeah, and then you could have screwed your own. You didn't get to use it until the next Grand Theft Auto, and you're like, oh shit, I don't even know the password for this. Oh, yeah, there's nothing worse. The only thing worse is when it's like some you've used a work email account and then you've changed jobs. You know, for some reason you decided, oh, I'll just use the work one. Uh, and then, which happened to me once with the PlayStation account. And um, yeah, I changed jobs then and I was kind of like, I have no idea what my password was. I have no idea how to get access to my email address that doesn't probably exist anymore. Uh, so, uh, phone your old work up, say, yeah, yeah it was, Bob used to work for you. Um. I, I pretty much actually had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't really say that. We had to get someone to recreate my old account temporarily. The IG department said them recreate uh, a mail or um, what was it? Get, a, get the mail sent to it. Uh, they forwarded it onto me, and then I got back in and they deleted everything. Then and I wrote the password down under the desk that I would never forget it. So uh, well, that was good that they were understanding. I don't think my work would do, would do that. No, it was only because I worked in the IT department and still new people in there. And I, I kind of may have lied slightly about what it was for. It's for an, uh, a revenue online thing. You know, they're, they're going to arrest me if I don't have this. <laughs> I didn't really want to go, it's for the games. You know, it probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, it wouldn't have seemed as quite as important to them as it was to me. So, uh, I don't know what to say. You've got to do these things. You've got to do these things. You've got to do what you've got to do. Hopefully they're not listening. 
If Bob's old works listening, uh, he apologises. I, I do indeed, and yes, uh, I'm pretty sure we're nearly at the statute of limitations for that kind of stuff now. So hopefully, uh, you can arrest me. No, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, we di- we digress uh, already. Um, I'll just ask you a couple of wee questions, and then we'll get into the games. Yeah, it. sure, yeah. sure. But I was just going to ask you, um, what's your first memories of like getting into computers and games? Um, when I was the first. My first memory of like gaming was um, I kind of grew up in a kind of dodgy. Well, I lived in a kind of dodgy part of Dublin, a kind of very kind of rough neighbourhood, and there was um, this kind of someone set up like a little, very basic arcade in the back of one of the shops, yeah. um, and like this is you know like the, like it was the only like the machines weren't vandalised or anything because everyone was just so you know in awe of what the hell these things were. But the first thing I ever remember playing was Asteroids. I mean, I was terrible at it, like because I was only about like five or six, but. Um, it was just, I, I didn't know what the hell this thing was. It was like something from space, you know, it was amazing. Um, and it was just, I was just absolutely blown away. Um, and I remember, I remember playing that and I remember playing, I think they had a Pac-Man there as well, but all I remember is this original and it was the, like the early 80s, uh, it might have been an Asteroid Deluxe machine actually, looking at it back as a, as a kind of retro collector now, I think it was a, an Asteroids Deluxe, but uh, it was just this, this fantastic thing you know i could barely i could barely reach the controls on it um oh well that's that it was you know that's my excuse for being crap that the fact it was five i didn't know what i was doing but uh yeah and then a couple of years later uh i eventually persuaded my folks to get me a computer it was an an atari 8-bit um with the atari 800 xls um and i kind of got into it from that and became mates with guys from trading games and, and funnily enough actually some of the guys a lot of the guys that i'm still mates with now that i go to the pub with like you know 30 odd years later um were guys that i know or got to know through trading games um we trade games and then later on we like you know we upgrade into commodore 64s or whatever and then um when lads bought a mega drive and we'd go down to his house and play it like on a on break from school and all this and yeah and you know, that it kind of went from there so like uh and actually funnily enough two of the guys um are retro collectors as well <laughs> so i'm competing with them every day one of them is sending me pictures of uh he's kind of gone oh look here's another japanese game i bought off japanese ebay for two pence or something because uh, that's his thing he's, and you go what is it because i don't know but it looks amazing you know it, it could be like you know lettuce farming tycoon or something for all he knows but it's it's on the game boy advance and it looks awesome whatever the hell it is uh, and of another mate is the same thing again and he actually bought he actually texted me today that he's bought a jukebox oh wow <laughs> uh yeah and i was just uh, someone was selling it off and it was kind of like uh yeah it may or may not work so he has this he has it plugged in and uh where he sent me a picture of it plugged in and working away so uh <laughs> yeah but there you go they're the kind of people that i hang around with you know that's, uh, that's interesting that you've kind of Grew up with these guys like from trading games early on. It's, it's unusual. It, this is it. I mean, uh, it's it just so happens. I, I don't know if it was a case of just you know the geeky guys in school, kind of you know. Yeah. But um, it, we just sort of you know we're all mates and we all kind of live near each other. And uh, actually, one of them, he's, he literally his wife had a daughter today. So uh, congratulations, Steve. You'll never hear this one either because you're not one of the retro collecting guys. But uh, well done. Well done, you and well done, my your wife, because she did most of the work. Congratulations, so, yes. Yeah. Yes, and I, I had Ashley and Rachel, yeah. yeah. I had it as a man that does most of the work. But, um, <laughs> it, 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 you tell women that, they just don't believe you, you know? Oh. We just do all the work up front, you know? Yes. And then, and then you know, over the course of the child's life, try putting them to bed and taking spiders out of the way and all sorts of fun stuff like that, which, you know, is obviously more important than actual the pain of childbirth. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to shut up now because I get myself in the trouble. But, yeah, uh, yeah can... but... 
Sorry, I was just going to say, I couldn't do, do the, the spider thing. I'm scared of spiders. Oh, Jesus, now that yeah. we're getting, there's like an onslaught. It's like Day of the Feckin' Triffids here right now. It's <clears throat> these huge ones. Um, there's actually, for some reason in Ireland, we get, and I can't explain it, we get, in between August and October, we get a rush of these huge spiders. They look like they should be in a zoo, that big. Yeah. They're harmless for the most part. Um, but they come in and they're like, what scared the crap out of me once I looked them up and like the, the, I looked them up and the uh, the Latin term for them is basically translates as gigantic house spider. That's pretty much what they translate as, wow. and it, it listed what they live off and it's blah, 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 you know moths, you know insects, mice, right? So this thing, this mice? insect, mice. Now I'm assuming it means small mice because they're not, you know, but but Jesus, that scared the crap out of me. They shouldn't be able to eat real animals. It should just be insects, you know. But uh, yeah, you would not be too happy because it's. You get, uh, it's like Kingdom of the Spiders here at the moment. Every day you get like two of these huge feckers running in and uh, you got to hoosh them back out of the house. So I used to be fairly uncomfortable with spiders, but I had no choice but to, but like, you know, because I couldn't hide behind my daughter who's like five and say, you know, get out, get out. I would. And I had to man up a bit. You know? <laughs> uh, don't have nightmares, children. No. Uh, listen to that story. Yes. Um, yeah, I had one in my, my kitchen last night actually. And, and, you know, when I first seen it, I thought it was like, well, it was daddy long legs. It was that big. Oh. Yeah, that's actually a spot. Oh my god, look at his eyes. And then I ran out of the kitchen. <laughs> at first, I've been there before, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've been there, you know. What we do, we leave, we'll just leave it there. We'll just close the kitchen and we won't go into the kitchen tonight. And tomorrow, either it'll take the kitchen over and it can have it or it'll be gone, one or the other. So uh, that's that's what I used to do. But now I've I've learned the, the technique of the cup and the, uh, the postcard for getting them out. Yeah. And actually, one day I was feeling particularly brave. I just picked the thing up and threw it out the window. So, uh, oh my god! I know, I know. I, I, I couldn't believe I did it either. <laughs> well, it's not there today. Um, my cat was stalking it last night, so I'm hoping the cat got it. Well, we've got we've two cats, and yeah. I, I suppose it's like a happy meal for them. It's like a meal and you know a toy. They can play with it, and then they can just you know eat some of it. I present you with what's left later on. Then you know. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to Desert Island Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned getting back to the games. You mentioned oh, yeah, games. Uh, <laughs> what are they? You mentioned uh, your first computer was the uh, Atari Eight, but it's just yep. coincidence because that was also my first computer. But I, fantastic, I, I, yeah. sixty-five XE, slightly different, but more or less the same. It was the the, the slightly funkier looking one. Uh, yeah. if I remember, I, I the kind of the, I still have it here. Actually, it was that kind of brown. It looks. It looked like that plastic that someone had smoked over for a couple of years. That's sort of nicotine yellow. Yeah. Uh, but it, no, in fairness, it looks just like a badass example of Asia's engineering. And it's I, see, this is it. If I had a spectrum, I'd had a totally different group of friends, and I could be living a totally different life somewhere, you know. But I had an Atari and then a Commodore because basically, after I don't know, if you had the same problem, but I found after a couple of years, you just couldn't get any games for it. Like yeah. you get. The odds, like, really cool game. But if you wanted to play an arcade um, conversion of anything, it was Commodore or... Yeah. Um, well, there, you know, there wasn't much Amstrad stuff over here, like, uh, but it was Commodore or Spectrum, so... It was like, you know, if, if I go into CEX um, today and I've got lines and lines of PS3 and then lines and lines of Xbox 360 and then maybe about four PS Vita games, that's what, <laughs> it, was, that's what it was like for, like back then. They did maybe three or four Atari games and then the rest were all just, like, Amstrad, Commodore, Spectrum. I was, yeah, no, no, I, I was I was in exactly the same boat. And you kept ca- cutting yourself going, you know, oh, yeah, but these games that we're getting, were, you know, and in fairness, they were good. US Gold imported a lot of stuff in from the US, hence the name. And their stuff was really good. I don't know, did you ever play, or, or actually even, um, I'm just thinking, what did I do? Like, there was, a, there was a cracking conversion of Spy Hunter. I don't know if you played that yeah, back in the day. I did. I loved it. Um, 
there was uh, what was it that I played so much of? Well, one of the games I'll get to uh, in a minute, um, or at some point whenever I get rid of talking about games, we got a conversion, so I won't mention that yet. But there was some decent games. Did you know someone actually is in the middle now? It might still take a couple more years to do it of porting Outrun to it. Have you oh, seen wait. that? Outrun, they're still. I would love that. Cause, um, I love Outrun. Oh no, I, 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 it's fantastic, and I've played pretty much every port out there. I know, um, I know I've watched it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it took me several years. I got a bit that was about for about a couple of months afterwards. I just couldn't look at anything to do with Outrun. It was like, oh Jesus, you know. But um, it's uh, no, it, there's actually someone now. In fairness, it's a couple of years ago, and they had a rolling demo, and it may not have progressed any further, but. Um, it's a, it's a real pity if the Atari had more support. I mean, there was all sorts of politics and stuff going on as to why it never got enough support. But if it had got enough support, it would have been a big... I, I reckon it would have been a hell of a lot bigger a player in the old 8-bit market. I, I, it would have been able to... Because it could... If you've ever seen some of the demos that are out there... There's one, by the way, if anyone gets a chance to Google this. Uh, I think it's called... It's either Drunk Chessboard or Drunken Chessboard, right? It's a Polish demo. Okay, well, that sounds really weird and obscure. But this... It, it looks like it's running on, like, an ST or an Amiga. It's lots of 3D graphics, cool stuff. It is fantastic. It, it just shows you like, the kind of 3D graphics that the, the Atari 8-bit's able to handle. Um, and it, it really could throw graphics around. It was really fast in that sense, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, just the, between Atari sort of starting to collapse from within and all sorts of other stuff, it just never got enough support, um, especially the UK and Ireland as well, by extension. And uh, it uh, it just gradually died a death. Uh, and then everyone had to go over to the Commodore 64. Actually, one thing, did you ever see the, the Page 6 magazine? Did you ever hear that? The what six magazine? Page six. It was like, it was it was kind of um, there was an Atari user magazine. Uh, oh, I, and, I got that. I bought that every month. Yeah, and there was page six, which is kind of like the kind of more um, it was like I'm not going to say it was printed in someone's shed, but it was kind of more uh, less commercial, and more kind of some guy sitting there going, "I love Atari so much." Yeah. Uh, but I was I remember I, I used to get that religiously, and it was kind of one of those. They don't exist anymore, but it was kind of like a computer magazine with a bit of everything. It was like, you know, there was game stuff, there was kind of hardware stuff, there was, you know, it's a... Uh, it, it was just like, yeah, it was just one of those things that nobody ever mentions because everyone had a Commodore or a Spectrum. So it's always kind of like, you know, Crash or Zap or uh, Commodore user or, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I just thought I'd ask another Atari user there. So you haven't heard of it either, so... <laughs> no, I've, I certainly bought the Atari user because I remember um, typing in the, the games from it. You know, you, oh. the games, you type them in. I, I only ever get one to work. <laughs> the, I, the amount of times that... You, I, I don't... I've got one or two two games to sort of work. Um, but apparently what used to happen was, right, for a lot of the times, the guys would get the, the, the listings for these and they go to publish them. Mm. And quite often because there's a sub-editor or types or whoever, one of the guys in there, whose job is to make the, the, the text look neat, they do everything in the magazine. So, of course, the first thing they do is go in and they do this, and it involves moving things around. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the odd comma would get lost or the odd line would get lost. And the amount of times he tells magazines to follow me, he'd say, oh, yeah, just to let you know that line 64 in that should have been go sub, you know, run this, something else. You know, because the guy, the, the you know, the, the sub-editor or whatever would have moved us just, you know, because they were putting a picture in the way. And they went, oh, we'll just get that line out of the way there. It's not important. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it over the other side. It's amazing, so it's, it's amazing. No, it goes to show you that how little really goes into to making a, a simple game. I remember the one I got to work was like, um, I think it was called Mouse or Mice. Yeah. And, and it was only was like 90 or 100 lines long or something. And it was actually quite a, a what do you call it? Uh, addictive little game. 
what was it kind of a was it a Pac-Man clone or something or well, it was kind of um, trying, trying to think it's mice looking up and down uh, a screen in a kind of parallel line and I suppose it probably was a bit like Pac-Man because I think they were picking something up I think they were eating things along the way but they had, I, they had like obstacles or something. I think I think for a while the eighties, like you know, um, everyone at some point had to make a Pac Man clone. It was like you know you couldn't be a programmer unless at some point you made a game which was basically like uh, was was you know kind of involved a maze and dots, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, there was some great stuff. I mean, uh, some of those typing games are fantastic. Yeah. But just if you could get them to work, I mean, I remember I tag teamed me and a mate uh, went a couple of days typing in. Um, one and I, I didn't have a hope of working because two guys, you know, but we were, you know, between them trying to type this thing in, we were probably gonna make mistakes, never mind the mistakes that were there initially. But uh, I, I got one or two to work. I remember one was like a sort of a weird kind of tank game, but a lot of it was text based. Okay, I also it's kind of weird, actually, but now I think about it, it was kind of weird, but it was kind of like, you know, go south, you know, arm tank, you know, <laughs> this kind of thing. So you, but you got some really cool stuff, you know. Yeah, there was one I was dying to get to work, but I never could get it to work. It was a fishing one. I don't know why I wanted to get a fishing game so badly, but I don't know. I think it must have had a picture, a screenshot of it in the magazine. But this is what it looks like when you're face taping it. I thought that was really good, but I never got it to work. Was it was it was it an actual screenshot, or was it one of those kind of really enthusiastic pictures that you know they'd have like a guy and he's pulling a huge. Uh, fish out of the river and there's other fish and there's people <laughs> looking at him and when you type the game in it's like the letter C on a, with a couple of dots in front of it dropping down the screen and C is the hook and then uh, you know a, a, like a fish an LRF will fly you know, will swim by to try and get it with it and it looks nothing like that I that think, amazing graphic <laughs> I think the picture on the cover of the magazine was a bit like that but it had an actual screenshot and I mean it was only like a stick man you know but for a fishing rod and it had this blue background screen or whatever but but it was fishing yes it was fishing and it was something i've never paid before uh, did you ever get did you ever pick up the um the dreamcast with the uh just because i was fishing the, the dreamcast was the one that had i think it was dreamcast that had the uh was it bass fishing i had the, the the controller um no but fun enough uh, my wife come back uh, one day she bought me a present i think it was my birthday probably yeah. and um she'd go up with this fishing game for the playstation 2 and uh, the fishing control and all that oh I never, cool i never I, ever played it <laughs> because you know what i like about that is like the, the best thing about fishing is sitting all afternoon drinking i'm gonna be honest with you and yeah. if, if a fishing controller and a game you could just sit inside and drink you know <laughs> i mean and you're not gonna get wet. someone goes what are you drinking in the afternoon you go fishing you know I don't know. I just, I just never get out to playing it. I don't really know why. It's, I, I, I don't know. Just why these fins. I promise I'll go to in this house somewhere. It may be the fact that you're going to be sitting there on your sofa with a fishing rod, going, "Why the hell am I doing this?" <laughs> yeah, someone so- might, a, a norm might come in. A normal, I'll see you. You know, yeah. what are you doing with that thing? Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's for FIFA. It's a new FIFA. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, go away. <laughs> I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the um, the Atari. You always used Atari 800 had the 65XC, but when you bought the games, it was always they always they all worked in both systems. I think didn't they? Like, they did. Say, say it all at the top: 65XC, 800XL, whatever the other one was. There was three of them. I think it might have been 600XL, maybe. There was, and the, yeah, I, I think they literally had the same method of loading as well. Uh, you know, I think to be honest, and I'm sure someone will write and go, well, "Actually, you're wrong," because the memory was. This. But from a hardware point of view, they were pretty similar. Just well, the 600 XL had less memory, yeah. if I remember rightly. Uh, but the they they looked um, 
they look different on the outside but inside basically from a gamer from a gaming point of view you could say right if it'll run on one it'll run on all you know so uh yeah and did you have did you have the cx40 the and that's uh, that the, the classic iconic atari controllers did you get them uh, with it? oh yeah yeah of yeah. Course. yeah oh the, man i hate them and i i liked them but then i you know traded them in and got a uh, conic speed king um, which was fantastic unless you were left-handed and they were kind of screwed. But that was the one with the kind of molded grip. It yeah, looked like yeah. some sort of weird space age sex toy or something. It was kind of, it was like a weird knobbly thing, and then it had a little knob on top. And yeah, but it, it was a fantastic joystick. I had that um, as well. Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was for the Atari or the Commodore, but I definitely had that joystick as well. Oh no, that was that was the best thing. You didn't have to use some weird Voodoo Arcane, you know, plug-in system like the Spectrum. You know, you just if you had an Atari or a Commodore, they used that nine-pin connection, and it was fantastic. You just go, oh, "Grow to my mate's house. I can bring my joysticks because it's all compatible." Yeah, yeah. You, you sound as if you've went a similar similar route to me early on, anyway, from from yeah. Atari eight bit to Commodore. Please don't tell me you've got a Sega Master System next, otherwise this is going to get spooky. No, no, no. Well, actually, yeah. kind of, right? Sort of, in a way. Um, what happened was my brother got, uh, between myself and my brother, because we used to, you know, we were of a similar age, so we shared uh, presents yeah. at Christmas. We got a uh, Mega Drive, but we didn't get a normal Mega Drive. I knew a guy who was, um, he was a, an importer. He had a little tiny shop that was set up in a community centre. And this is back really before gaming was like AAA, you know, industry. You know, this is back before, like, Virgin had a couple of games. Virgin Megastores over here had them. And a few other places had games. But there wasn't a huge place, you know, to get them. And get, especially getting the new uh, 16-bit stuff. Uh, or getting, you know, um, before the Super Nintendo was released over here, he was importing them in. So this guy, it was out, uh, I think it was called PS Consoles. But we got a Mega Drive from him. But it was a PAL-I Mega Drive, uh, which is basically, it looks like a Japanese Mega Drive. But it runs uh, at 50 hertz. It runs kind of, uh, our, you know, UK games. Uh, uh, it runs uh, Japanese games. It runs American games. And it was nice because it was it was basically designed for Hong Kong. So if you put a Japanese game into the, uh, the Mega Drive, if it had any English UK text on it, and sometimes they did, it would switch languages automatically. Cool. Like if I put in a copy of a, a Japanese copy of uh, Mercs, for example, it would switch over, and instead of saying whatever it was, Wolf of the Battlefield, or whatever the name was in, in Japanese, it would say Mercs, and the text would all be in English, which is really cool. Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, we had that, but the reason I say we kind of had a master system was um, a couple of months later, uh, I, I I managed to get a couple of bargain things, and one of them was the, uh, the power-based converter, which was the ginormous add-on they brought out for the Mega Drive 1 that would turn it into a master system. Now, all it was, it's only a pass-through. It's literally just yeah. to connect one adapter to the other. Uh, and it has a reset button built into it as well, or a pause button, I forget which. But when I got that, I um, got a couple of games as well, like Wonder Boy and uh, Wonder Boy 3. And yeah, so I mean, I do love master system stuff as well. Uh, that kind of got me into it. But it was years actually before I had a real, you know, a real master system. I used, it used to make do with the, the, the power base adapter. But uh, yeah, I did have a master system, sort of, kind of. Oh, weird. Right. Mm. If, if you got an Amiga after that, then it's really getting spooky. Uh, no, at that point, at that point, we completely diverge. Um, good, good. I, I, what happened? Yeah. Oh, actually, I um, there was an incident involving my brother, the Mega Drive, and a lo- losing a game of Super Street Fighter on it, um, which led to mysteriously, and no one understands how, the Mega Drive um, motherboard suddenly snapping in half inside the Mega Drive. Now, I'm not suggesting my brother got angry and kicked it across the room, but it may be that happened. Um, but yeah, so I was without a game. I was a lowly student at the time, so I ended up... This is back with the NES. Uh, they were desperately trying to offload them because 
Nintendo just made a complete Hanes and a complete hash of doing them, uh, of managing them in, in Europe at the time. Uh, and they brought the Super, the Super Nintendo out a bit, but they were trying to uh, sell off the remaining NES stock as, you know, basically a game system for your little brother. It was, you know, uh, 50, I remember being 50 quid uh, at the time. And that got you it, and it got you a copy of Mario Brothers, or sorry, Super Mario Brothers Three. So I ended up getting that, uh, and I ended up get, getting up a lot of uh, games that are being sold off for two or three quid. So for I actually went from, uh, you know, basically Commodore to Mega Drive slash Master System to NES, uh, which is you know, but I got I got some great stuff for it. But I remember I had one of the games, and I've never been able to find it since, and it's killing me because it's too expensive to replace. Uh, was Maniac Mansion? On oh yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I had I loved that as well. So uh, I, that kind of kept me going for a bit, and then um, then I basically got a. I ended up work uh, doing some work for uh, an electrical uh, electrical company in Dublin. But sorry, electrical sales company. That basically, so it was it was the equivalent of Harry of um, sorry of Dixon's, which is funny because Dixon's actually bought them out a year after that. But I ended up working there and getting my staff discount to get myself a, a PlayStation when it came out and get myself a PC, and then. Kind of went down. I was a PC gamer for a long time up until I started kind of saying, mm, I wouldn't mind, you know, getting playing some of my old games again. Uh, and I started just doing what everyone I think does that, uh, you know, you start buying one or two of your old consoles. If you know, sorry, that some people, you know, when you're into gaming, you go, I'd like to, I would like to just try and buy back one or two of the consoles I had as a kid that my mother threw out. Me too. So, uh, yeah, so I went off, bought, uh, bought a Mega Drive, bought a, an NES, uh, couldn't find the Atari 800XL. I ended up find, uh, talking to a guy on Atari age years ago, and he sent me over... Um, well, I I paid him, basically, and he sent me over this ginormous box, a Dixon's of all things boxes. And it was the original pack that Dixon's had sold uh, when, the Atari, when they were selling the Atari 800. Um, and so it was like, inside there you have your your your, uh, your tape deck, the, I think it was the 1010, um, and the Atari game, or the Atari... Uh, computer and your joystick and everything all in their own boxes and all within a, a secondary kind of dixon's slash atari box so right. that was really cool so uh yeah and then i kind of did i think what everyone else is a collector does is you get all the stuff you had and then you get all the stuff that you wanted yeah and then you get all the stuff you've never heard of and then you get kids and you have to sell off half the stuff that you've got you know <laughs> no room for it anymore so uh yeah that's basically it so i i i kind of stopped actively collecting for mo i, I collect mega drive uh stuff actively uh, master system stuff actively and generally just whatever else I can kind of find. Uh, I don't really, I got to be, I don't collect as much now as I used to. Um, like I said, my mates are still scaring eBay for everything. Um, I, I just got a car boots and, um, I got to kind of just charity shops and have a look around and see what I can get. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's me, my collecting. And, uh, most of the stuff I get ends up on the channel at some point. So, Yes, uh, uh, that's. I was going to say. Of yeah. course, uh, those of you that don't know, um, you probably do know. Um, uh, Bob's got his own YouTube channel. Obviously, it's um, let's get retro, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's. Yeah. Um, I, I I think I was on because um, the way YouTube lets you change your name so much. Uh, the best way to get into my channel now is just do. Uh, if you go to letsgetretro.com, um, that's my site, and it'll have a link to the channel there. So um, or Google. Let's get retro, and then go through the five other kind of dubstep uh, 
there's actually a guy when that fat dubstep was a guy i was gutted because for a long time if you typed in let's get retro it was the first thing there and then uh someone brought in a, a sort of ambient trance track called let's get retro which is for ambient trance is actually very popular apparently yeah. uh so that's number one and then you'll see a little bit down after that uh let's get retro.com and that's me and uh that's the channel and yeah i basically um I basically look at old games uh, or anything that takes me fancy. But again, I like you were saying with uh, Mortal Kombat, I, I, I used to do run-throughs. Um, I used to do... Uh, I'd basically take one game and I'd play every single port of it I could find. So I'd do a run-through of every home port, rather. Yeah. So I started off with Outrun, uh, did all of them, uh, and there's a lot. Um, yes. And then I did Bubble Wobble as well, and there's even more than you'd think. Um, there's I think 22 or 23 or something and um, and then I did Gauntlet 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 which was going to be your first game is it yeah I was going <laughs> to uh, that was a, that was a sneaky segue into Gauntlet there um, <laughs> yeah uh, basically I was obsessed with Gauntlet when I was a kid um, I just I remember um, the first time I saw the the, the cabinet like you, I don't know if, if you haven't seen the cabinet for, for Gauntlet it's just this massively impressive game uh, and it's a ginormous four-player, uh, huge gauntlet logo on the top. Pictures of all the, the four kind of characters you can play in it uh, along the the kind of um, so the joysticks, and it's just fantastic. It had a huge screen as well, and I remember I was just completely in awe seeing this thing. I saw it in the um, the, the Irish version of Butlins. Um, it was a place called Mosney, uh, and they had two huge arcades because it was the eighties. And uh, I just spent all my time pretty much playing Gauntlet on that. Like, I play with other people. Yeah. Uh, I play on my own. You know, it was... Uh, I'd always, at the time, I always picked the elf because I figured if it was faster, I could steal all the food. Which is true, you can. If you want to get beaten up, by the way, don't do that. I, I used to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, people used to be very unhappy that I was going and eating all the food. But, uh, yeah, I just loved it. And years later, like, the Master System port, for example... Um, I reckon it's still one of the finest home ports of anything ever. I don't know. I, mean, you, I know you're you the master system yourself. Did you ever see the gauntlet, the US Gold gauntlet port on, on the master system? Uh, I have to confess, I probably didn't know. You, you should. <laughs> it's fan- no, it's really good considering it's an eight bit machine. Um, it is fantastic. Uh, I mean, the only downside is you've only got two players. Um, yeah. But uh, it was just amazing and. So I figured, now here's the thing, right? I, I figure everyone when they're doing the, the, the Desert Island thing is like, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm trapped on a Desert Island and here's the games. I figured do this slightly differently because otherwise I'd be coming up with games that like I could use on the island. Like um, like the, the ginormous version of a, a Galaxian 3 that's yeah. like the size of a room because you use it as a shelter. Okay, I mean, it'd be used as a, as a game, it's not great, but as a, a desert island shelter, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, so I figured, yeah. I figured rather than do it that way, I'd say, right, I've, I've you know, I've I've gone onto the internet and I've found proof somehow, you know, indisputable proof that um, you know, the Commodore sixty four was better than the uh the the, um, the Spectrum. And here's a I actually would have a picture of um uh of like, you know, the the graphics basically I, I would have come up with something that you know was so every Spectrum user would be paying for my blood, you know? Yeah. Um so I would, that was all there. I'd have to go off and live on this island. Uh, a bit like Sam and Rushdie went to hiding. So this is my... I'm hiding on my tropical island with these games, just trying to pass the time. So uh, otherwise, like I said, I would spend the whole time going, well, I picked, uh, you know, Midwinter 2 because it has uh, survival skills and they'd be useful on the island and all this and not actually anything I'd want to play. So that's the level of thought I put into this. 
Oh, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> I, I like people that give it a bit of thought. But um, yeah, God, like I said, Gauntlet was the first a because it is probably still my favorite arcade game, and um, b because you can play it forever. Um, I mean. Especially if you've got the right version, there's different versions of the arcade machine. Like the early versions, they hadn't quite balanced it perfectly. And if you knew what you were doing, you could actually, especially with the uh, with the Warrior, you could play on one credit forever. The later versions, you can't. It will. Uh, it's almost impossible because the better you do, the less food there is. Um, there's people have done studies. That's how seriously people took this. Uh, they could have, they mapped it out and said, "Oh, level 64, there's there's very little food." But um, I I just like I said, it was just on i mean there was four player games before i mean i think quartet came out uh that was the sega's um kind of four uh four player kind of shooter and that yeah. but it was just the first game where you're sitting with, or standing with three other people sometimes three total strangers and you're all playing sort of cooperatively you know for the most part yeah. and it was just fantastic um and i like i said even as a kid when i had the atari that was my my the, my best my favorite thing ever was the fact that there was an atari port of this game and in fairness, I always remember it as being absolutely brilliant, but it was it was bobbins to be honest. It wasn't fantastic. You know, when I went back and looked at all the ports, the Atari eight bit port is probably nearly the worst. I think. Um, I, I think the yeah, actually, it was the worst to be honest, because um, everything is this weird sort of odd color, and it, it looks like the, your your guy is just holding a giant Timmy uh, mallet, mallet's mallet instead of a an axe, you know, but. The thing is, back then, it was like, on your home computer, you could play the arcade game, you know, with your mates. Um, and you could, it had all the stuff from the, I mean, even though I'm saying it wasn't the greatest port compared to the others, it had nearly everything from the arcade, like down to the transporters, uh, these, te- sorry, teleporters that you could basically, little little squares you'd walk on and they'd teleport you randomly in a different direction. But if you, if you learned to use them, you could actually teleport uh, on top of bad guys. Even there's a bad guy at death who you basically can't kill. The only way you can kill him is by using a potion and by throwing it at, you know, uh, down when death's there and it, it kills him. Otherwise, he'll just come up to you and he'll eat all your energy and it's no fun. But you could actually teleport on top of him and uh, it would kill him. And it was kind of undocumented, but you could do it. And it was even better, actually, in the Atari one because there was a weird glitch that when you did that, the, Atari, the Gauntlet logo down the bottom of the screen uh, for your half of the screen would go all weird and glitchy, which is, like, really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, if I had the choice of anything, I would probably pick the Gauntlet Arcade Machine just because it's just so amazing looking. You, you would have you would have thought that the Atari port would have been the best, considering that it was developed and published by Atari. You'd think so, yeah. but it was. I think part of it was the fact that um, Atari was, you know, Atari games, and there, there was two Ataris really. Uh, they they split um, a while back. Uh, there was the Atari basically the part basically the. the Atari that made, um, you know, games for home and Atari that made for the arcade. And there was kind of a widening gap between the two of them. So Ed Logg, the guy that, you know, came up with, well, that came up with Gauntlet, um, like wouldn't have ever seen, I don't think, the the, the home port, you know. there was, yeah. But I mean, it was. I think that was the reason they said, you know, and there will be an Atari 8-bit home port of it, you know, um, just because it was an Atari game, you know. Yeah. Actually, I remember uh, I was. Uh, this is going to sound like one of those humble brag things. It could have been, but I was on Irish national radio uh, a couple of years ago, and it was the uh, it was for the anniversary of Space Invaders. But because I was such a Gauntlet fan, I managed to actually turn the conversation to Gauntlet. Uh, but um, I ended up talking. I, I can't remember if it was 
it was the head of Atari Ireland. And I remember him, you know, saying, oh, yeah, yeah it was great, Ned Log and everything. But for them, it was fantastic because it made the most money. <laughs> it was, you know, as a game, he said, oh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't my cup of tea. But as something that made us money, I really, really liked it a lot. <laughs> uh, so, uh, actually, was it Mike? Was it Mike Nevin? I can't remember the guy. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so Atari liked the game because it made lots of money and gamers liked the game because it was fun and uh, it came out in practically every home port uh, that you can imagine. Um, so us Atari owners got our, got our game and it was fantastic. Even if you're playing it from tape, like I, I, the, uh, we had the tape version and uh, you're kind of loading a block of levels and you play a bit and then you load another block of levels and then you'd hope it wouldn't crash. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was the kind of game that really you know, was designed to be run on disc, but it was, you know, it was still good. But yeah, a ter- Gauntlet definitely would be one of my one of my magic eight. Gauntlet, great choice. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to the second one then? Yeah, yeah. Um, second one's a one called Starflight, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. now I, I it's this basically uh, Starflight was released back in um, it was a PC game originally, and if you can imagine a two D version of Elite, mm-hmm. it's pretty much it. Uh, it was. You'd fly around, uh, you'd, you know, you'd upgrade your ship, you'd get attacked, um, you'd fight back, you could mine, you could be a pirate, you could, um, you could actually communicate with the other ships as well. And while all this was going on, there was, a, a, on top of all this kind of, you know, space trading and mining or whatever, there was an actual RPG, you had to work out, you know, um, uh, what was trying to it was, it was actually very similar to Mass Effect in a way, because you were trying to find out what was trying to destroy the universe and you were dealing with all these other uh kind of um races and it actually turns out one of the guys behind mass effect actually based the idea on starfleet um and it is just it it didn't really get the problem was it it kind of got overshadowed by two games it got overshadowed by elite uh because elite is a fantastic game but elite is is a you know it's a 3d it's a 3d experience where this was a top-down uh game even though i had inertia and all this kind of stuff with the spaceships you were still dealing with a top-down game uh, the other thing is Star Control, because um, it looked a bit better, tended to get a bit more of the press. Um, but it got the Starflight was released on the PC, and then there was a sequel, Starflight Two, and then a year or two afterwards, there was sort of a combination, uh, combination of the two games brought out as under the name Starflight by EA on the Mega Drive, yeah. and it is just I spent hours playing it. I mean, literally hours. I was. Um, I had a lend of it from a friend of mine, uh, actually. Um, it was uh, Stephen, is actually the, 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 my friend whose who's, uh, wife had a baby today. Uh, and at one point, he was saying, can I have that game back, Bob? And I was kind of going, listen, I'm nearly finished it. I'm nearly finished. Yeah. And he went, but you've had it for like six weeks. And I'm, you know, I'm going to look, I'm playing it every night. I'm nearly done. I, my ship is, is, is as advanced as it can possibly be. I've mined the bejesus out of every planet. I just have to find this one thing. And I remember I saw him coming up to the house on his bike and I was upstairs playing it on the Mega Drive and I just kept, just pulled the blind down, <laughs> didn't answer the door. I just kept playing, you know? So eventually I gave him it back and the worst thing was I didn't quite finish it. I couldn't work out. I, I, I won't spoil it, but I got to the last planet with the last particular item you need to do something and could never work out what to do. So I never got to see the end screen. Uh, and... I was talking to my mates about this years later. They went, oh, yeah, we found that save game. And uh, one of the lads had a look at it. And he just pressed one button and it landed on the planet. And then we got to the end. <laughs> so I played through the entire game over like seven weeks. And uh, my friends got to actually see the uh, the ending, the massive ending screen for it. And the ending video. 
So, uh, but I, I don't care. It was actually worth playing it alone. It was just fantastic. I mean, even stuff like uh, it was set in the far distant future, so you could you could actually find Earth, um, like as a planet. And it, you, not only could you find it, you could go around it and you'd find all these kind of like old ruins, and you could look at stuff in them, and it, you'd get like uh, a little bit of history or whatever from the the the, the in game kind of uh, storyline. Uh, and this is nothing to do with the full game, by the way. This is just a little side quest, you know, and. Uh, you could actually nominate the planet for colonization. So you could basically say, oh yeah, I think we should go and colonize this weird planet I found called Earth. But uh, it was just amazing, because you could travel anywhere you wanted. Uh, it was totally open-ended. Yeah. Um, and you could. Uh, it was just really, a really, really clever game. But like I said, it never really got... Um, there, was, there was supposed to be Starflight 3, and that kind of fell through. And a couple of people have done, you know, have tried to do, uh, uh, you know, ports, home ports of it, and, you know, uh, unofficial sequels and that. Yeah. But... Um, it's just one of those games, like I said, I would kill, well, not kill, but I'd maim anyway for a, for like a, you know, a portable version, a, a decent one, um, you know, for a, even for a phone, you know, because it was just so much fun. Um, but yeah, the Starfleet on the Mega Drive is, is my number two. Maybe that's why you're on a desert island. Maybe you called for it and you had to escape to desert <laughs> island. <laughs> Shush. There's a longer statue of limitations than that one, right? You know, I may be here for a while. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, Starflight's not not worth killing for. I have to say, not actually killing or maiming for, but yeah. you know, slapping a bit possibly. You know. Okay. Yeah. The fourth the fourth game uh, should be interesting. It's uh, it's a racing game which is right up my street, but it's also yeah. um, on the Atari eight bit or and C sixty four. So it's a uh, Rally Speedway. Have Have you played it? I, I don't. I'm gonna have to look it up uh, screenshot to see if I remember it. I can't. I probably have. It's oh, wow. um. Right, Rally Speedway, the reason I picked it is, and funnily enough, it ties into Gauntlet. So when I'd had Gauntlet a couple, about two weeks, and uh, what happened was the tape refused to work properly. So we brought it back to the shop, and because it was the 80s, and it was, you know, games were, the way games distribution was done then, they could have went, yeah, we don't have Gauntlet anymore, we're, we're sold out of it, and we're not buying it again. So um, here, here's a credit note, go buy another game. So I, um, me and my brother looked around, and... Rally Speedway was a cartridge. Now, all the stuff we dealt with really up to that point was was on tape, yeah. but the Ataris could handle cartridges. Uh, I don't know. Did you have any? I don't know if you had. I, did, the... I had. Uh, I had an American football cartridge. That's the only one I had. I used to plug it into the to, to the slot at the back. I know, but it was always weird kind of plug because you'd spend ages loading the game, or you could just plug a cartridge in, and it was there straight away. Yeah. Well, the cartridge games usually were a bit. I'm not going to say rubbish, but they were a lot of the time they weren't as good as the as your taper of disc games. Yeah, but I Rally enjoyed it. Oh, well, no, well, I'm not dissing your, your American football game there, are we? <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it was lovely. Yes. But uh, Rally Speedway was... Um, it was... The closest comparison that I can give you to it, really, would be... Um, uh, it was a, it played like a very early version of... Um, so the reason I'm pausing here is I actually can't remember the name of the game I was going to say. Is it, is it Micro Machines? It is. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for reading my mind there. Because it was, it plays a lot like Micro Machines. The, the concept of um, top-down, racing against someone else, being able to push them off the screen. And that's how you'd win games, is to, is to you know, just get them just far enough that they're lapped off the screen. But it was it was written by a guy called... Um, uh, it was, I always get it wrong. It's John Anderson. I think yes. it was John Anderson. Yes, John Anderson. It, because I always get it confused with the guy from the Matrix, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, it's John Anderson. Um, he this is back when the company that, that did it uh, was um, Scott Adams Adventure. They were one of the people, our Adventure International, that published it, and they wanted to do the whole thing like um, uh, 
you know, like a movie, you know, like a, 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 this is a Sergio Leone movie. This is a John Anderson game. So it was sold as John Anderson's Rally Speedway. And um, so, yeah, we took it home, started playing it. And it was just me and the brother, even though like graphics wise, it was pretty basic. I mean, it looks like two. if you look at it, if you, if you ever see a picture of it, it basically looks like two tractors. It's like tractor racing. It does. You know? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, you're seeing yeah. tractor right there, aren't you? Um, so, but it it played really well. The controls are fantastic. It had, and this is one of the reasons that it would get. Um, this is one of the reasons that it would get onto my my uh, my uh, desert island list. It had an editor built in, so oh. you could write your own tracks and you could save them. Now, you this wasn't like you know. Uh, this is you know like now now nowadays with the kids and the Minecraft where they can put them online and that and share them. This was just if you made them, the odds are you would never find another person who had a copy of John Anderson's Rally Speedway who would want to play your uh, your um, your racetracks. So uh, they were just really doing it for yourself, but it was so much fun, and I just played it and played it. And my brother played it, and we used to play. Uh, we brought bring mates over. We'd have like tournaments of it and all this, and it, this is even going on towards like when. Uh, 16-bit was stuff was out, you know, like, uh, we'd still, you know, have a bit of a game of this every so often, and it was fantastic. But the best thing was, years later, when I had the YouTube channel, I put up a video talking about it, and in fairness, it, it was really rambly, even for me. I ramble on for about five minutes about, you know, computer shops in Dublin, and then I start talking about uh, Rally Speedway. Yeah. And uh, this is why I was so embarrassed that I got John, uh, I mixed up John Anderson's name at one point in the video. I got a message a couple of months later from John Anderson wow. going, I wrote, you know, basically putting a, saying, listen, I wrote that game. Uh, I'm really glad that your, your brother enjoyed it. Um, oh, by the way, you've got the, when you talk about the braking system and that you're wrong, it's actually, and he, he said the, the, the right way it was done. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, yeah. I, I think he took, I don't, he might've taken his channel back down. He had a channel for a while um, and it's not there now. And the, 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 the the actual um, the comment isn't it isn't viewable on YouTube. Nor uh, like, oh, you can see it, but you can't see it normally. Anyway, it's a long story, but you can't see it anymore. But you can see this for ages. Yeah. And I was so impressed. I showed my brother in that, and then like, two years later, Scott Adams posted, going, "Oh yeah, John told me about this video. It's fantastic. Uh, thanks for talking about one of our games." Now it's it's um. I always was confused for years. I thought it was Scott Adams, the guy who did the Dilbert cartoons. From the, it's not; it's a different Scott Adams. But uh, it, yeah, but it's it's still really cool. These guys, you know, made these games or you know published them, and they get to hear me talking rubbish about them and saying how much I enjoyed them, and they're happy with that. So I mean, that's that's one that you know. Uh, one of the things I like about YouTube is occasionally you get to talk to people who you know were you're talking about a game. You discover like the person that's putting a post up on your video you know, actually worked with the game or, you know, distributed it or did graphics on it or whatever. Actually, that, when I was doing Bubble Bubble, um, I did the BBC port and uh, it's great. Uh, and, it, you know, it was for the BBC Micro mm-hmm. and I put it up there and I was saying nice things about it because it is nice. And I'm glad that I didn't say anything nasty uh, because a couple of weeks later, I got a message again from a guy going, listen, I'm, I'm whatever, I, I can't think of his name. I'm really sorry, but I worked on this with my friends. We were in school. Uh, we did it. We brought it to Firebird, uh, who were basically the only people really publishing for the BBC at that stage, and they had the rights to Bubble Bubble. But they kind of went, "Yeah, we're, we're gonna they were gonna publish it," and then they kind of went, "Look, there's like two people left that on a BBC Micro at this stage, so you know we wouldn't make the money back in the tapes." So uh, I, I think the guy, you know, they kept it. And they leaked it event. Or the, the the programmers just years later put it online, and I was able to get a copy of it. And but again, to have him say, "Listen, thanks for you know saying nice things about the game that I played or that I that I made and played with my mates." 
uh, you know, it's fantastic. You know, getting that little bit of feedback. You know, yeah, yeah it's 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 really kind of humbling when you get to speak to some of these guys that design your games. I I, sp- I get to sp- I got to speak to um, the guy that made Laser Street Larry. Oh well. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, yeah. Is, yeah he's, he always struck me at Al Lowe, isn't it? Or uh, Al Lowe, Al- yeah. Oh yeah, he's, he's always struck me as a kind of really uh, kind of funny guy. Um, yes, he's got he's got his own website, and he's said uh, I've subscribed to his newsletter, and he said, basically sends out daily jokes. You know, I have to I have to get that. Um, yeah. I, I know I know recently he kind of there was there was uh, I think there was a remake of Leisure Suit Larry, and he's kind of pulled out from it. No yeah. pun intended. Um, the I think there, for whatever reason, there was something, some sort of nastiness on the part of the publisher, uh, and he kind of said, "Right, lads, I'm not having any more of this," and he kind of took his name off it. But uh, he seems like you know, uh, you know, like the the first couple of Legends of Larry games are great. I think the, the more they went on, they just kind of they, they did get a bit kind of um, uh, old, I suppose the better way, best way of putting it. But I love the first one. Yeah, the, the last good one I think was six, and then when it started going to PlayStation and all that, it started going to downhill. I- it, it, yeah, it was kind of like um, it went from being like uh, I suppose a Carry On kind of movie to being like uh, an American Pie type one. You know, if that's yeah. a very bad uh, comparison. But uh, yeah, no, I remember playing that on the on the. I remember I was in college and we used to play that. Yeah. Um, uh, the only problem with it was at the start, there's an age uh, because it was basically an age game. There was an age kind of uh, there was a quiz yeah. you had to pass. You had to pass to uh, actually play the game right. and it was based around questions that you would be able to answer as an adult if you were an adult american so you get all these yeah. questions about like some weird you know 60s sitcom that was never aired like on the U- in the uk or Ireland. so you're kind of going right i'm just gonna have to keep putting a in as the answer and eventually i'm gonna get enough right to actually play this game yeah. but uh, oh i used to love that it was a great i, I finished it a couple of times um in college uh both the bad ending uh, which which kind of uh, was <laughs> Not the sexual education ending, you know. Here's what happens if you have unprotected sex with a, a lady who um, has sex for money, and yes, rightly, uh, bits of you went kind of green and fell off. <laughs> yeah, I did that as well. Dude. That was that was quite near the start. Well, you could you know, <laughs> you know, the start. You could do it any time during the game, but I used to do it at start. You'd go and you'd uh, sleep with. I hope this isn't taken out of context. You'd sleep, yeah, with, but... a, sleep with a hooker, and then you would, but you wouldn't wear the condom before you'd done it, and then you'd and go down the street and you'd just kind of die. Like, yeah, I do. Some sort of nuclear meltdown in your trousers, you know. Yeah. By the way, if somebody takes all these quotes out of context, you'd be like, maim people, kill people, sleep with prostitutes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th- please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I can see how. Or he's going to end up on the, on the island with me now, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'll get stuck there with you. Yeah, no, but Al, Al was on, it was on an, uh, another podcast on Retro Unlimb, um that Mike, Michael Burhan does, and uh, he oh, was on. God, the, the, the Let's Go Gameplay one, was it? Oh, damn the, it. I, I got gameplay. Oh, yeah, I got games, yeah. sir, yeah. yeah. I can't believe I missed it. All right, well, I have to go back and try and Yeah, cast- you, you can get it on iTunes. Um, it's, you'd have to search back a few ones, but it's on there somewhere. It should be on there. I shall have a look. Um, but I, I invited him on to uh, Desert Alien Games, but he uh, politely declined. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Maybe one day. Ah, uh, yes. It's just, good, it's just good to get to speak to somebody like that. Or somebody that's like, it's almost like a hero, you know, somebody that made my favourite, one of my favourite series of games. It, it's weird, yeah. though, when you... When you uh, uh, there's a friend of mine got... Um, and I'm trying to think of the guy without Googling, but I might have to. The, you know, the, the, the everyone's most hated Atari 2600 game, right? E.T. Okay? Yes. Uh, I've got to look, because I can't remember his name. Hang on. Uh, you may hear slight typing in the background here. But yeah, anyway, um, the chap who, and I'll see if I can time this right, the chap who actually worked on that, whose name was B. 
bugger, I can't find it quick enough. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Howard, Howard Scott Warshaw. Um, my mate got talking to him and he got him to sign a lot of games from him. And he, uh, if I remember rightly, um, I'm going to be careful what I say next. Uh, sorry, I'm going to be very careful what I say. But yeah, he, he went on to do some very kind of interesting sort of games afterwards, kind of S&M type games, if I remember rightly. Oh. Um, no, 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 these are, these are all pretty cool. But your man was, he was talking to him and he was kind of going, he's a, this is a really cool guy. Um, and he actually sent over a copy of E.T. and he got it signed by him and he sent it back and all this. Actually, uh, but it's, it's really interesting when you talk to these guys and you find out about all the stuff they did afterwards and all this stuff. Because um, from his point of view, uh, when he was talking about doing E.T., um, he was basically saying, look, I was given this thing and given a couple of weeks to do it, you know. And then the, fair, like, it, the fact that he actually got a game out is a miracle, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, how is Scott Warshaw? That's a chap, but I can never pronounce it properly. Um, but, uh, yeah, but actually, yeah, there's, there's one particular mate, um, and he get, he basically gets chatting with people. Um, like, they're online or at cons or whatever, and he's usually able to send stuff over to get it signed, you know? Yeah. But, um, although, in fairness, it's Trump, but there's another mate of mine who, who got his, um, his Apple II signed by Steve Wozniak. So, uh, that's kind of, um, you know, that's kind of like a... a that's someone's holy grail of collections right there, you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm digressing wildly now. Well, I watched uh, just we we'll just go off the subject in a minute. I promise. But I watched uh, a gameplay that somebody did of the ET game, and um, the guy explained uh, and quite well. I thought um, that ET was really underestimated and unfairly criticised because people the, the problem was people just didn't know how to play it. Yeah, and, and it showed you him playing it properly, and <laughs> he said it's actually quite a good game. The problem is that if you have to actually explain back then, like literally games for you know move joystick, press press button to fire, you know, um, like there was for a long time every, every game had to be you know pick up play. If you had to if you had to explain what to do, then nobody wanted to play it. So for what would be the equivalent of like you know Call of Call of Dude Bros, you know, uh, you know, uh, Ghost FIFA Fifty, it would be literally every AAA title put together this release because et was so big and people got a home and they were like what the fuck i have no idea what i'm doing here i'm oh, I fallen i'm dead you know uh like i said the fact that he got any game at all out in the time that he was given it was it was pretty amazing you know yeah, but uh, the fact that the people had to actually you had to have sat down and read through the manual and uh, to, to work out what the hell you were doing was yeah it was unforgivable back then you know plus i think there was was it was it et or was it pac-man there was more cartridges released than there was actual consoles at the time. Probably it was because they found them all recently. They bought them for a pet or something, didn't they? Oh God, yeah. yeah. The the uh, that New Mexico the one the thing that everyone thought didn't it was kind of rumoured that there were uh, somewhere in New Mexico there was this uh, desert uh, landfill full of the cartridges, and everyone was kind of like, ah, oh, that's a lot of bullshit. And then it turned up one day. They say actually, guys went in, made a documentary, went in with the diggers, and yes, there was hundreds of these cartridges there, just buried. You know, and you gotta you gotta wonder, like, you know, for them not to take the cartridges apart and you know, when they couldn't sell reuse parts of them, yeah. to just go bulldoze it, you know, take it, put it in the ground, cement over it, salt the earth that that is there and never speak of it again. You know, that's that's how that's how badly they want to get rid of it, you know? Yeah. That's one of the urban myths uh, proved proved. Exactly. Proven, proven. Urban fact. Yeah. yeah. What next? The Yeti. The Yeti will be proven next. Uh, and and he'll and he'll probably have something to say about Atari, about uh, ET and the Terry as well. It's like it's it's not a bad game. It's not a great game, but it's not a bad game. 
Okay, we better move on to the next game. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. From... You will have to tell me about this one because I've not heard of it. It's called Montezuma's Revenge. Oh, again, it is yeah. my favourite Atari 8-bit game ever, right? And again, but this is the thing about the Atari 8-bit. It was so little distribution that you might have played a load of games that your local boots or whatever had. Yeah. Uh, I might have played a lot of games that my... Um, Trying to think where I bought my games. <laughs> uh, you know, the, our, my local Easton, which was like a place that sold uh, magazines and things or games, yeah. or um, or whoever was selling. And they might there might be two totally different groups of games. But uh, Montezuma's Revenge was written by um, it was written by a guy called Robert Yeager, who was only sixteen at the time. But it, as far as I'm concerned, it is the Atari Eight Bits Jet Set Willy. It is just a beautiful platformer. Uh, the, the 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 game is literally this: you are Panama Joe. Uh, you were basically uh, a Tomb Raider before Tomb Raiders existed, and you have to go down through a series of um, uh, tombs, basically, and just get as much jewels as you can. Uh, don't die. the skeletons, and there's um, snakes and spiders and things chasing you. And get to the end of the... Find your way out of the uh, the tomb. Then you'll get to go through this extra little level where you get some, you know, uh, to jump through different screens and try and grab as many points as you can and then go on to the next one. But each level is significantly harder. Like, the next one would have uh, lots of disappearing floors that are like, you know, there'll be a floor and it disappear every couple of frames and then reappear and there'll be flames underneath it and uh, obviously you'd have to time it right not to go in there. Or you'd start finding rooms that were pitch dark. So it was just you and a black room and you needed to go and find a torch or else just get really lucky and find your way through. And there was, uh, again, it had that, that lovely mechanic of, you know, you've got a blue key and a red key and a yellow key and you have to find them in the right order to get through doors. But it's just so well written. Um, the, the, the little guy, uh, Panama Joe, he just is really fast. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, you've got, you feel like you've actually got full control over him. Like it's, um, He's just a really polished game. And I don't think the guy, Robert Yeager, actually did much else after that. Um, but Montezuma's Revenge, it was basically, it came out in the Atari 8-bit. Um, there was a Commodore port. Um, there was a, it was a 2600 port, actually. Um, I've got a, I've got a, um, I have it in 2600, but the only way I could get a copy was getting this weird Brazilian bootleg, which is like Cobra, Super Cobra and Montezuma's Revenge. You switch to flip on the side of it to get to play one or the other. But um, it got ported to everything. Uh, for some reason, the ZX Spectrum, it was done as Panama Joe, uh, as opposed to Montezuma's Revenge. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's a really nice little game. And again, it was a Master System port too. Um, a couple of years later with slightly better graphics. And then it was again. It was kind of a cult game because it was really big. Well, it was big on the Atari and the Commodore, and not so much really on other systems. It, it wasn't that well known, but it was well known enough that it got a sequel in uh, the late nineties, where the whole thing was done in three D. So it, it was like basically done like a, a Quake style. Well, I was going to say first person shooter, but it was more of a first person jumper that you couldn't. You, you didn't really fire or shoot anything, but you could run through levels. And you could control, you could actually see your hands as, and your legs as you're running through this 3D level uh, in first-person mode and trying to jump off ledges and grab things and that. But it's, again, it's one of those games, I can tell you how good it is, but it's one of those games that just go, try, if you've got a Commodore 64 at home, um, see if you can get a, you know, especially if you've got one of those lovely Ultimate 1541 drives or whatever, stick a copy of it on that or get a copy for the Atari, get a copy for something, even play emulated on um, the Master System of the Commodore 64. It is brilliant. It is just a really fun game. And it's actually, there's a lot of, to, you're, you're kind of doing a lot of uh, mapping in your head then later on. So it's, uh, 
it's one of those games where kind of you play it to get and get used to it, and then you start finding all these little secret chambers you didn't know about where there's extra jewels and extra money and all this kind of stuff. It is just a great game, uh, and it is one of my favorites, and I could play it forever, which is good because I'd be on this desert island a long time. Funny enough, as, as you've been talking, I've actually looked it up on YouTube, and I've sat here for the last couple of minutes. You've been speaking, I've actually been watching gameplay of it. Um, yeah. It's and it's it's really. It goes quite well. I should do this more often when people talk about games because just listening to you talk about it and watching it is brilliant. And it looks like a brilliant game. It looks absolutely amazing. And it, I'm looking at the Atari 1080 version and the graphics are really nice for, for an 8-bit computer. They're, they're lovely, aren't they? They're really colourful and big. And um, uh, Hang on. Well, I, I was going to look at it too. And hopefully yeah. it's not... Yeah, thank God it's not my YouTube video. But, um... The, I think the only problem from a marketing point of view is that Montezuma's Revenge is basically slang for uh, deli belly or that diarrhea you get when you go to a foreign country and eat spicy food. <laughs> so it's probably harder to market. It's yeah. Montezuma's Revenge, but not the kind you have in the toilet. It's the kind yeah. you have when you're in a tomb. Um, I'm trying to think. The closest... It plays... If you can imagine an earlier version of... Uh, for anyone that isn't hasn't seen it, it, it reminds me a little bit of Rick Dangerous too. Um, the sense that you're... You have more exploration and less just memorizing everything, but um, it has that whole kind of you know tomb raiding vibe, uh, I guess. Yeah. But, but it's it's a really good game, and like like as you were saying that it looks really good, especially for the Atari, you know. So uh, it is worth checking out. Have a go. Um, the good news is I will be able to play it because I've got a modded Xbox with twelve and a half thousand games on it, so it's bound to be on it. <laughs> it's on there somewhere. On yeah, the there somewhere, definitely. Even even the specy version, um, which is Panama Joe or Pedro, there's, there's not as much spe- there's not as much spectral games on this system as what uh, is like Commodore. It's got every single Atari twenty six hundred game on it, so at the very least, I'll get it Atari twenty six hundred version. But it, I should it, there's plenty of Commodore sixty four games on it, so and there is some Atari games on eight uh, bit games on it so i'll get one version of it for sure have a trick actually before we go on to the next game just have a look just do a quick google um for montezuma's return uh return montezuma's return that was the that was the the remake i was talking about where um you should see i think this this one called rl studios on youtube has a a quick picture of it or a quick video of it rather um if you can actually see like when you're when you're jumping around it you actually see your feet and your hands it's bizarre it's it's a good it's not a fantastic game now, but it's a good effort, you know. But um, oh, that's on PC. That's like three D now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a full three D game. This is the the sequel <clears throat> made in the, in the mid nineties, and it's it's you're trying to play um, you know, an old style platformer as a three D game, and not not in that cool way that kind of um, Super Mario sixty four did, but just as a first as a pure first person view. Uh, it's just really odd because you can't really judge where you are. And you can look down and kind of see your feet and that, but it's it's just it's just really weird. Kind of, kind of looks nice. I don't know how it plays, but it looks nice enough. It was it, it was it was it wasn't a bad game, but the best thing was it came with a, a fully licensed Atari eight bit uh, port of Montezuma's Revenge. Um, so you could actually, you know, if you wanted to be totally legal about your emulation, as of course everybody does, of course. Uh, you could uh, you could buy a copy and. Um, Sleep well at night knowing that you hadn't, you know, ripped anyone off for a game that was... Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, all 12,500 games that are on my modded Xbox, I do own physical copies of every single one of them. It's true. And actually, yeah. every, oh, every yeah. time I do a main game uh, or a main review, it's actually because of an arcade at the back. Billions of games. It's amazing. But I can never show people it for legal reasons. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. It's, uh, again, folks, piracy is... Home piracy is killing music. Um, 
Yeah. Do you know something? I'm, after this, I'm tempted to get on my old Xbox on and give that a go. It's it's like I said, it's it's good. Now I I know my um my comparing it to to Jet Set really is blasphemy for a lot of people because that's like you know the holy grail for gaming. From I, I don't mind it. I'm not as much of a fan as a lot of Spectrum people are about it. Um, but for me, like I said, the reason I never got into it was I always compared when I saw it later on. I always compared it to Montezuma's Revenge, and it just Montezuma's Revenge looks more polished. Yeah. I. But it's yeah, it's I guess it's horses for courses, you know. It's a uh, whatever. I think whatever kind of platformer you really get into first will always be like your your first love, you know. Whether it's Super Mario Brothers or Montezuma's Revenge or Jet Set, Willy chap. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Montezuma's Revenge. Check yeah. it out, people. Right. Uh, next game. Um, luckily enough, this is fresh in my mind because I've been playing it recently um, for a high score challenge thing that I do. Uh, it's Bubble Bobble. Oh, I love it. But you're picking the Sega Master System version. It's yeah, it's I know the NES one is pretty good. I mean it's there's I again I played pretty much every port. Um and the one I enjoyed most was the Master System version. Right. Um and I know the NES one is good, but it, the NES one I thought was a little bit too different from the arcade. Um uh, if I remember rightly, and it's been a year since I did it now. But the Master System one, um it's it's similar. It has a lot of the, the kind of really cool stuff that the arcade had, even down to the um, the bonuses for getting certain. I can't remember the exact type of score. You you might notice from doing the high score stuff. Isn't there a certain score you can get or end in a certain score that generates some more um, goodies on a on a level? I, I know there's it's some bit score based when there's those amazing you know like the some of the the extras appear. You're probably asking the wrong person. Uh, my score was one of the, low, the lowest scores in the high score table. All right, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, the 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 one pro tip I can give anyone because I played so much of it um, and it's the, it's one of the few games I can get vaguely far into is if at the start of the game uh, you bubble all the bad guys right straight away as soon as you can and then don't do anything jump up the top get ready to go and just blow as many bubbles then as you can at the last possible second where they're all about to jump out and attack you uh, burst the bubbles and you'll get hundreds of extra little bonuses and sweeties and all the magic stuff that it gives you um and if you can do that on any other levels it's great it gives you loads of extra bonuses for doing all bubbling all the guys at the same time so yeah. uh, there you go it's I, I, that's why i can play it and i can get like five or six le- lives by about level 10 and then progressively get worse as i go on but it's one of those few games i can actually do quite well at but um it's uh, you know that you to, to actually finish it properly you've got to do it twice and on two player um, right. you know, like uh, you finish it once, and it gives you the code for the the soup. And this, this sounds like something you someone something someone would say in the schoolyard. Oh yeah, man, you finish it, and then it gives you this code, and you can see Laura Croft naked. Uh, you know, whatever kids used to say back then. But yeah, you get this code, and you type, you, you enter it in by I can it's up down something something on this on the uh, on the controls, and it puts it into Super Bubble Bobble mode, and then you play through that, and then you get a net. So you play it the first time, and you get an okay ending. You play it through Super Bubble Bobble. Um, not on the same credit, but you can play through it then and you get a better ending. But the only way to get the proper ending is to finish it on two-player. So the whole thing was it was designed around two people playing together. Now, whether you're just going to stick an extra 10p in at the very last second on the game and get your your better ending that way, uh, you know, it's up to you. But... uh, it's it's just it's one of those games that, like, it looks really... it's, It's simple to pick up, but it's very, very hard to master. And there's a lot... I mean, even when I played it at first with my mates, um... We played it in the arcade, and we played the those a uh, Taito uh, collection uh, Taito games in the uh, arcade. Um, 
conversions on the Commodore 64. It's like titles, greatest hits or something like that. Uh, something, you know, really original named like that. And maybe my mates played Bull Wobble a lot on the Commodore 64, but it took us ages to work out that you could, you could actually um, sit, sit on top of a bubble and uh, float up the screen. If you held, I think it was, it's, if you hold down up on the, you jump up top of it and just as you're about to hit it, you push up. Or in the arcade, you hold it and jump and you don't burst it, you actually rise right up it. Because you can't, you can't finish the game without doing that. But it's one of those things that it doesn't say it anywhere. You have to, you know, watch people playing it and learn it. Um, I think later versions of, later kind of bubble level sequels actually tell you some of this stuff. But back then it was, you'd sit there or you'd st- stand there in the arcade and all the smoke around it and all the dodgy geezers, you know, getting high scores in games. And you'd stand and you'd watch the, someone playing it and you'd notice that he could, you know, sit on top of the bubble and you'd work out how he was doing it. And then, you know, you'd learn stuff like that or how to, there's a move you can do where you can actually like literally bubble and burst a guy at the same time and all this kind of stuff. It's one of those games, it, it's easy to pick up, but to learn all the, the warps and all the tricks and it, it just takes forever to master. So I figure if i got lots of time, Bull Wobble would be definitely be the way to go. Definitely. And since I didn't figure I'd have loads of room for arcade machines, the Master System is, is probably my favourite home port. The NES, though, I think is, is the next one after that. See, I'm, I'm a terrible games player. I didn't know all this stuff when, it, I, when I did my high school challenge. And then I went and watched uh, Monkey Spazzy's um, go at it and I was like oh god look at all this stuff he's doing I didn't know I didn't know you could do all this stuff in fairness as a kid and as a even as an early adult player like I didn't either I was like I'm hitting the button why are they all dying and it was only when I I, I, I actually because I, I of all the games like, I've uh, applied I've um so I have an arcade machine at home. Uh, I rebuilt an, an old uh, Taito one and I, I just built built it as a main cab and of all the games I played it I play Bullwell most so because uh, my daughter actually likes it as well so I kind of got into playing it through that yeah. So, um, and then I decided to start playing all the home ports and that went on forever. Uh, like I said, there's 22 of them. I mean, if you, uh, there's more, actually, the, the stuff like the Sega Saturn version counts as a port rather than, uh, uh, what was it? They, they, they lost the, the source code and they had to look at a, an emulated version or something to get some, I, I don't remember, but it was, it, it, even the Sega Saturn version isn't as, 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 uh, close to the arcade as it should be, but, uh, I played through all of them and that's, that's how I found it really minute things like that. But uh, it, is, it is one of my favorite. But the weird thing is, I don't like any of the newer games, like Bubble Symphony. All these, a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, they're better games." And but it's just, it's always just uh, the original Bubble Bubble for me. Yeah. Cool. So shall we move on? Move we on better. To this game? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. This one. It's interesting this because this one's been picked um, a few times before. So cool. Do you want to uh, tell, do you want to tell people? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Um, it's Oblivion on the PC. Um, because uh, you know. It, Oblivion is a game that I, I used to play World of Warcraft a lot, and then I stopped playing for a bit because it, it's it's a it's a great game, but it was just a huge time sink. Yeah. So when I quit playing, when you quit playing an MMO, I think the Elder Scrolls games, Oblivion, Skyrim, Morrowind, they're like morphine. They the morphine to get you off the heroin. <laughs> so they're like it's like playing an MMO but with just you. Um, so I played through Oblivion and I played it for ages, like literally weeks. Before I even got rid, before I realized, hang on a second, they need to go to this monastery and talk to this guy. Uh, you know, I basically hadn't progressed the the because um, I saw these I saw these uh, you know clips one day of all the, the oblivion. It refers to is actually uh, in the the Elder Scrolls games is this hell dimension all these demons and that. And when you play through at the first hour of the game, you unlock some stuff and eventually these guys start pop out pop out and start attacking you. I hadn't even got that far because I I got to the first quest and then found a side quest and found another side quest and then another side quest and then I went off and put some mods on, uh, PC mods that basically added some uh, extra stuff into the game and made it look prettier and then I did some more side quests and then I'm playing it about two weeks where I realised I hadn't actually done anything in the the main game. I hadn't even done enough to trigger 
the the first the first time this this uh, demon portal appears. Yeah. So I just played it forever. Um, there's the reason I say PC is that the um, the console ports are good, but with the PC you've got so many mods. Now, in fairness, there's millions of mods, but when you take out the the, the ones that aren't like weird anime armor for for ladies that you know are little they made it two small bits of tinfoil and uh, and my little pony mods, there's still an awful lot of good mods left, you know. So, uh, but there's there's some that add in. Um, there's one that adds in a character from the uh, uh, Baldur's Gate games. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Viconia Devere, who's like this get a character in Baldur's Gate, and someone went and they got all the dialogue and any bits where it was missing, they recorded. So basically, it puts this character into the game and you can go up and talk to her and she joins your party, even though like she's not even from Oblivion. And there's an entire quest going on with her and she'll comment and stuff around her, and it's just fantastic. Like someone else did a, a mod uh, called Vilja, uh, which I can never pronounce properly, but it's a, a Swedish lady called Emma. Actually, I don't think she gives a second name. I think it just lists it as Emma. But she wrote this mod, and it basically is an in-game companion who chats to you, talks to you, does quests for you, um, or it sends you on her own quests. And just everywhere you go, she'll say, oh, I have been here before, and it's really great. And she starts telling you all about it. And Or when when other creatures are attacking you, she can... It's... The amount of effort that went into it is unreal. Actually, it turns out that like some of the dialogue was written by Terry Pratchett. She mm-hmm. got... He was well. I don't know, unfortunately, because he's not as well as he used to be these days. I don't think he's doing much gaming, but yeah. he is a huge, was a huge gamer at least, and he played uh, Oblivion, and he felt he played her mod, this 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 lady Emma, and he said to her, uh, you know, male said, listen, really enjoyed that, and she said, look, could you could you write something for it? So a little bit of the, the a little bit of the 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 scripting and the dialogue is written by Terry Pratchett. It's not a huge amount, no, to be honest. But it's a little bit, and it just crops up here and there. You hear something, you go, "Oh, that's definitely Terry," you know. But um, it's just fantastic. That or like, there's um, there's mods that add in entire other classes. There's mods that add in, um, you know, huge quests. Someone wrote now. This is Skyrim I'm talking about now, which is uh, the 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 game that came after Oblivion. But someone wrote uh, uh not just a mod. Someone wrote an expansion for it, like an entire land with about. 60 or 70 hours of gameplay it's actually bigger than some of the real expansions that are brought out for it you know that's yeah. that's how much modding goes into this so that's what i'd say you know if you're ever getting these games get them on pc but i spent so much time in oblivion and it's such a nice uh, even when you're not doing the quests it's this lovely bucolic really nice looking kind of countryside that you're walking through and you can just walk and your horse is there and then you kill some orcs and then you go through another forest and it's beautiful. You know, it's just a really nice place to be. So uh, that's why I picked Oblivion over Skyrim. Um, but Skyrim is equally as good. There's a lot of good mods for that as well. Uh, especially the one that turns all the dragons into the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Um, that really has to be seen to be believed. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got this game. Um, I actually got it um, for the 360 on the back of um, doing these Desert Island games because it come up so many times. And then... Um, one of, one of the guys, uh, Dave Price, in fact, Flinch, was selling it. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yes, I said, oh, I'll buy it off you, because I, yeah. I need to try and get into this. People, people were talking about it all the time, so I need to buy it. So uh, I've not played it yet, but it's, it's sitting there on the pile to, to be played. It's they're, they're both games, but Oblivion... Actually, Morrowind is great as well, but it just it's it's a bit hard to get into at first, but it's so open-ended, it's, it's amazing. But yeah. uh, there's so like there's so much effort has gone into the games. So the only thing I'll say is that now, the console ones aren't too bad, but the PC games uh, are buggy as hell. Like, there's a load of fan-written patches that fix all sorts of stuff, you know? But um, they're just fantastic games. You lose, like, you'll lose weeks in them. 
Like people say to me, where were we on holidays last year? Skyrim. I was on holidays in Skyrim. <laughs> I came out of it talking like this every so often. I, uh, I came up with this weird accent after a while. How are you doing, Bob? I'm fine. I used to be an adventurer like you. Till Oh, yeah, I won't do that. But yeah, um, it's, uh, it, it, they're amazing games. And they're, they're, they're one of the few kind of AAA titles that I actually get really excited when they say, oh, there's a new one coming out. So I'm waiting for whatever the... I, I wasn't a huge fan of the... There was actually an. I know it's funny. I say like the, the more theme for MMOs, like the, the the thing that gets you off playing an MMO, you you know, is going playing an Elder Scrolls game, and then they bring out an Elder Scrolls MMO. Uh, there's a Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, I actually wasn't a huge fan of that, but um, it's you know a lot of people like it. But yeah, I'm waiting now to hear what the next game is going to be. Whenever they get into releasing it, probably after Fallout Four. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about next games, shall we move on to the next? Oh one? yeah, yeah, yes. we better because yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could probably talk all night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll let you announce it. I should have been doing that in the first place. I do apologise, Rude. You, you uh, announce your game. What's the next game? Uh, oh, all right. It's controversial choice. It's uh, Tetris on the NES, but the Tengen version, uh, the Atari, the, the version that was released and then uh, had to be withdrawn really quickly. Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen that? Or um... I've not. Obviously, I know about Tetris. Tetris is another popular pick on Disney yeah. games, but not obviously not this version. No, tell me about it. All right. It's um, the ver- there is a BBC documentary, and it's on the internet, and it's worth checking out. Called "From Russia Would Love," uh, the Tetris story. It, it kind of goes into this a little bit, but the gist of it is uh, Mirrorsoft who was owned by Robert Maxwell. I'll tell you what, I'll, leave, I'll give you the quicker version of this than, than ever. A couple of different people own the rights to make Tetris. Um, Nintendo uh, licensed Bulletproof Software to make their version for the NES, and only they were, they were licensed to only bring out uh, their version uh, on the NES. Another company who made the PC version and a few other ones made an NES version as well. Uh, they released as Tengen Tetris. Uh, Nintendo found out and did what is known in the business as Troll Wobbler, uh, and it was basically Tension Tetris or Atari Tetris w- was withdrawn pretty much within a couple of days. It's a better game. It's got it plays faster. Um, it has proper two player. You've got two player cooperative and two player uh, competitive. You have um, better music, but I know everyone loves the Tetris music, but the, the it, it's actually a little bit better on the Tension one. It looks better. It looks actually like an Atari ST game. Um, if you see the um, if you ever see the graphics on it, like the, the the NES bullet the BPS one, the Bulletproof Software one, which is the official version, uh, looks like uh, an NES game. But Tension Tetris actually looks more like an Atari ST game. I think. Uh, let's see if I can remember that this now. Um, I don't have a picture to hand, but I can actually see it in my mind's eye. Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, oh, and again, it was actually written by Ed Log. Uh, he yeah. came out with the uh, the. Um, he, he did a lot of the work on, on uh, the Detention's the, the Tetris port. And he's the guy who did uh, Gauntlet. So there you go. I, I'm a big fan of his work. Oh. But yeah, it, it's the reason I know about it is that it was... Um, when it was released and withdrawn, uh, obviously it was it became super, super hard to get hold of. But a, lo- a friend of mine had... Uh, and I don't know if, if growing up you ever saw these, but there was a knockoff uh, NES. Uh, it, was, it looked like a, a Famicom. Um, there's loads of different brands in them, but my mate's one is a, they're called family clones, and they always they always like my mate's one was was just referred to as the tech set. It was made by a company called Tech Set. It was um, probably released you know to just some sort of weird licensing uh, loophole, but um, it came with 144 games in one cartridge. Now because basically the damn car- the console was a knockoff, 
the guys making the cartridges for it didn't really give a damn either. So it had like uh, Groizor on it. It had Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3. It had all these sorts of games. And it had te- Tetris. And then it had what it called Tetris 2, which is actually the Atari Tetris. Someone had got the, the game off the, you know, the, the, the bootleg ROM. Or someone had got the game, got the copy of the ROM, and put it onto this bootleg cartridge. And it, I, when I played it, and I heard there was a real version of Tetris and a fake version, if you like, uh, or an unofficial one. I assumed that the the official version was the the knockoff one, and this one was the was the proper Nintendo one because it just looked and played so well. Yeah. And the one thing that I was delighted was 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 there's um there's a, a and again it's worth checking out if you can ever get a chance to see this. I don't know, but it's probably on YouTube. There's a, a documentary called The Ecstasy of Order, Masters of Tetris. And it's about these guys in the States, because I've got to be honest, this stuff is usually going on in the States, who are like the um, grandmasters of Tetris. They can get like the equivalent of like a, a Tetris kill screen. You can actually play it so fa- so long and so fast that you get to a certain level that it's physically impossible to, to control the pieces quick enough. Yeah. And these guys, um, you know, took part in this... Um, competition and there's all this stuff going on but anyway amongst all this even they turned around these guys have played tetris as their as their life i went yeah we do tension tetris as well because it's a really good game and it's as good as the 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 nintendo one uh, and so it's great seeing you know actually seeing someone who who knows their tetris inside out go yes you know this is as good as the official one but yeah tension tetris there's no point in saying to you oh you could try and get it off xbox live or or buy it because you're not going to be able to um yeah. I don't know what the legality of, of trying to emulate a game that you can't buy anywhere is, but yeah, check it out. Um, it's worth it. It's really good. So it's, it's interesting to hear a, a different version of Tetris been picked because it's been picked so many times before. So this is a, a new twist on it. If you like. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like I said. Once the problem I have is if I'd seen regular Tetris first and got used to that, I'd probably still say, "Oh, regular Tetris is better." But because this was my, this was my Tetris, uh, it's the one I prefer most, and it's the one I still think is the best. So it's it's worth definitely worth having a look at. I think. But again, I suppose at the end of the day, Tetris is Tetris. You know, there's only so many different ways you can yeah. have those pieces fit together. <laughs> Okay, um, we're on to your last game. Okay. Um, uh, you can go ahead and announce it. I shall, because it kind of ties in a little bit to my luxury item. Um, it's And again, it's not retro, but just it's a game that I spent a hell of a lot of time on. Uh, Minecraft. Um, yes. I, I, it's one of those games, I, I think it probably crops up a little bit here as well. Uh, yeah. On the odd list, I'm assuming. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah, Maybe I'm the first person. I picked it. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Great minds think alike. Uh, it's I mean, just... a completely different reason for you, though. But I can't tell you later. Okay. Oh, <laughs> um, the reason I picked it is that at the end of the day, if two things. Firstly, it is a fantastic game. Uh, I love the fact that you can let your your kids play it, uh, and you know they're not, well. If they go into a live server, maybe they might things dodgy things might happen. But generally, you know, they can play it, and it's not too, you know, it's it's not too brutal for them, or whatever. On the other hand, you can play it yourself on hardcore survival mode. And be sitting there in your tiny dugout made of sand with your wooden sword trying to hold the door off against zombies. And it is the scariest thing ever. <laughs> and the reason I picked it is that, my lux- just to tie my luxury item in there really quickly, I've, I've an Oculus Rift. And playing Minecraft on hardcore mode on the Oculus Rift is one of the scariest things you can do with it. I know it's, it's you know, people like, oh, Minecraft, it's like made of Lego and all this. But when you're like hunkered down at the equivalent of like two in the morning and you can hear, bong, 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 bong. You can see zombies trying to get in through the door. They're desperately trying to sort of board it up, uh, trying to put dirt in front of it to slow them down. And it's in, you know, full 3D that you're there. It is just 
scary as shit. So it's, but it's it also the fact that you can do so much with it. I mean, you know, and if you're on, you're on your desert island, you're feeling a bit hot, you can go off and you can create a, a an area that's, that's snowy, a snowy mountain perhaps that you yeah. can ski down. Um, I, I like it for that too. But the fact that it, it's the game that keeps on giving, you know. Yeah. Um, my, well, my reasons for picking it when I picked it was because I've got it, but I've not really had a chance to get into it yet. Um, <laughs> So I figured if I was on an island, it'd be a perfect, perfect opportunity to actually sit down and play it properly. And have you got a chance to? Have you played it yet? Or are you still waiting for I've the played, island? I've, <laughs> I have. Yeah, I mean, I've played it, but I've I've played it half an hour here, half an hour there. I've not sat down for hours and and, and done it. You know, like well, like many people do. It's it's funny like that. You play it, and you go. You play it first, and you go, "Oh, it's for kids," you know. And then all of a sudden, you go, "Look, look! I've recreated our entire road in blocks. Look, here's our house. Here's the neighbors." And people are looking at you like, you know, one, why are you telling me this? And two, why have you been into your in your room for the last four days? You know, yeah. just time passes really quickly when you're when you're when you're playing it. You know, it's just it, it can do anything. That's that's what it, it's Lego basically. Yeah. It could be anything you want. I'm curious to see that what's going to happen now that um, Mojang, the company that that make it, are, have have gone over to Microsoft. That's right. Uh, yeah. They've I, I kind of find it funny in a way that the. Um, uh, Notch, the guy behind Minecraft, when uh, Oculus Rift sold it to Facebook for whatever it was, 11 billion billion, he was kind of going, oh, sell out, and I can't believe you're selling out, and there will be never be... We were, port, we were going to port it officially to uh, port the Rift to, to Minecraft officially, we're not going to now, and boo sucks. And then a couple of months later, it's like, hello, I've just sold my company to Microsoft, and now I'm retiring. So, uh, <laughs> can I, you know, cattle calling something black there, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, there's an unofficial port that lets it work with uh, the Oculus Rift, and it is scary, scary stuff indeed. Um, I never realised the stuff you can do on it. I mean, um, I mean, getting one recently, I seen on BBC, a guys are building like sixteen bit consoles in it. I know. I was like, what? That uh, that's just. That's I don't understand who you know that's been done by human beings. Yeah. You know, I was pretty. Someone apparently made a three D printer in it. You know, I I think that if you're doing that. That immediately, a lot of guys have to burst into your house and drag you out and basically just put you in NASA or something, you know, yeah. working for humankind. Because if you can do that in a game, if you can basically say, look, I just built a 3D printer. Well, then you could probably do world. You could probably create world peace. I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. You're, you're smart enough. You're you're super intelligent. You can get us onto the moon, onto Mars, and you could put world peace throughout the land because you're obviously some sort of, you know, genius. Well, but yeah. It, sorry. Go on, go on. Those 3D printers are something else. I, I was, uh, there was a, a, something in the news, I, I can't remember where I've seen it, local news or something, where yeah. this little girl had uh, lost her hand or whatever, and they made her a 3D hand, like a 3D printer hand. I saw that. <laughs> and I, that, is, that is so, you know, that's so enlightening, because I realised, if I had a 3D printer, all I would use it for is replacing all the backs on the remote controls, first of all, because <laughs> they're all lost, so I'd replace that little, that little flat bit, yeah. and then, um, all my, uh, my my action figures that I've given to my son, printing out the weapons for them, which is actually now I think of it even worse. That you know, because that poor girl got got, her, got a new hand, and I'm going, yes, look, here's a here's a new blaster from Megatron. Look, um, so yeah, uh, but I, I'm looking forward to to when the price comes down a little bit more. I'm looking forward to picking one up because it's um. It's starting to get into the whole kind of maker thing, you know. That basically the idea is. You know, you come up with an idea for something and you, you use the 3D printer to make it and you adjust it and you can put that, that design online and someone else can download it and they can use it to make something else. Um, it, it's just, you know, it, it's one step closer to being able to, you know, you know, actually, you know, use the internet and use, you know, uh, 
tools to, to make real things, you know, not just software. I mean, that's something I'm starting to do myself, but, but actual, you know, I mean, something a little bit more useful than the, the back of your remote control, you know, um, that's, that's what I love about it. It's really going to get the idea of, you know, people being able to work together online and actually make real things. So, uh, that's I hope. The world's getting too clever. For, I, I can't even get my head around how that even works. A 3D printer. It's like, it's crazy. I, it's, it uses magic and wizards, yeah. um, I believe. And, and Sweeties yeah. and Iron Brew and all that. And there's, there's Iron Brew in there somewhere. That holds everything together, you know? Yeah, it's made, uh, made from Gurdus. Gurdus, exact yeah. Gurdus. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I'd really... Like I said, literally though, when I for years I was after one, but solely because it's really expensive to buy figures on the uh, weapons for your, you know, your your little action men or whatever on the internet. And that was the first thing I thought of was right, use it to replace all the little guns, and then the remote controls, and then world peace. You know, somewhere after that. But uh, it's I mean, again, the someone came up with a uh, thing for the Oculus Rift. They wrote a program. This is back when the first, there's a couple of versions that have come out. There's, there's, there's two versions you can actually buy. But the first one, someone came out with an idea that you could um, fit uh, a video camera onto the front of it so that you could uh, you could play your game and if someone came in, you could press the button and it would gradually fade the room back in again, like a sort of augmented reality. And to do that, uh, you, use, you create wrote the software for it and then someone else designed a little uh, thing that you use a 3D printer to print out that snaps onto the front that holds uh, a video car, like a webcam or whatever, in place. But that's like two people working together at different sides of the world to make something that people can go and download and do, and then make stuff themselves. And then they can, someone else can use that those two things in a game for something else. Yeah. So it's just it, the, it's part of the whole maker ethic that's kind of going on now, and I really love that. But uh, yeah, three D printing, yes, it would also be very handy on the island for yeah. uh, you know creating <laughs> some sort of weapons things. to keep the yeah. monkeys away. Make yourself a boat. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. But then we're getting back to the whole escape from the island. I'm, I'm escaping yeah. to the island, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you were to escape to it and run from it. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you, you murdered somebody for, the, for that game, Miller. It was yeah. worth it, man. Yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you've, also, you've, you've already mentioned it, so we'll go straight on to the luxury item, if that's okay. And it's Octorus Rift. Yeah, it's... I... Got it last year. Now it's it's still a development kit, right? So the downside to that is they brought a new one out, um, and the old one now is getting less and less supported because it's really there just to allow people to start programming for it and getting the hang of it. But I got it because I wanted to do a bit of three D programming, and uh, you get you know it uses a there's a three D engine called Unity, which is anyone can go and download it, um, and you can you know design things in it. And the Oculus Rift, you put this. I, again, I don't know if you've you've seen it being used or anything, but you I've put seen this your, out. I've seen your videos. Oh yeah, I know. The, 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 did you see the cinema one? Yes. The, yeah. Oh man, that is. I think that is the. Well, everyone always you show people the roller coaster first, and they go, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And you show them the cinema, and you stick on a, a fully licensed video that you've paid for onto the cinema, and show them like you know you can go into the cinema, you can sit down, and your film comes on, and you're looking around the cinema, and it's like being there, you know. It's just that good. Now, the only thing is, the version I have is the first one, so there's um, it can be a bit tiring in your eyes after a while, putting this this 3D, this, yeah. this helmet on and having the, the, the kind of, you know, looking through these two lenses at, at your 3D picture. Eventually, after about an hour, hour and a half, your eyes feel like they've been microwaved. The new, the new version out now that does some nice things, it makes it look a little bit better and clearer, and um, it's, uh, it, you can wear it for a lot longer as well. Um, I'd say a couple of hours. There's another version coming out. I'd say by the time it hits you know, mainstream, um, you could wear this thing all day. And it is just, I, I think if it comes out properly, if they manage to do it right, it's going to revolutionize everything. 
because I mean, even there's there's something you can do with it. You don't hear about it much. And I actually meant to do a video, and I wasn't sure the logistics and the legality of doing it, so I, I didn't. There's someone wrote an add-on that sits on top of your web browser that you go into Google Maps, right? And you put in street, you know, the Street View version where yeah. you can, and it runs 3D in the Oculus Rift. So basically, what it's like is your you are your head is where the camera would be on the uh, the Google um, the Google car. So you're basically you're floating a couple of feet off the road, but you can scroll along with the mouse, and you are basically walking down a road anywhere in the world, looking around. Now, and you know, obviously the the people that are walking there are frozen, but it looks it's in three D, and it's unbelievable, um, and it's just fantastic. You can actually look around. You can go outside your own house and look in, um, and in in three in full three D, it's just bizarre that's a dream isn't it it is isn't it you know (laughs) but like i I think stuff like that is gonna or stuff like the um you can go now and look it's because you know nerds equal star trek i admit i am a trekkie myself you know but you can get uh, a free um program that when you run it you're in the bridge of the enterprise and you can walk around and you can go down to engineering and you were there there is no question about it It is literally it's not even like it's really high-res graphics so you are literally on the set, only it's the, the spaceship, and you're looking around at the panels, and you know it's just fantastic. Someone actually did the same thing with no, I wasn't a fan of the show really, so I didn't I haven't tried it yet with the set of Seinfeld. You can go into like Jerry Seinfeld's apartment and look around it, and that is just I mean the level of you know the the amount or or there's a one of the Studio Ghibli kind of uh, anime films, My My Neighbor Totoro. You can actually go into a scene from that, and the scene happens while you're standing there all around you. Um, and it's just even I'm, just, I'm not even getting to the games. I mean, the games are absolutely unbelievable. Um, like Half Life Two, Half Life Two. The, the downside to playing Half Life Two in the Rift is that eventually it's really depressing walking around City Seventeen because it's it's one thing playing it on a screen, but other when you're walking around the city where everyone's been beaten down, and it's like a really a really grey, you know, 1950s Soviet city. And, you know, it, you're actually walking around going, Jesus, this place is really depressing. <laughs> you know, and then of course, then you get, you know, you get to teleport and head crabs and all that stuff and it, it gets good. But uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing. But it is, it, it's, you can't, you have to actually try it to see how good it is. I mean, it look, no matter how good it looks on screen, it's a hundred times better when you're actually putting a helmet on. Like, you don't realise you're going to be, like, what tends to happen is people try and play it for a bit. And then they freak out because uh, when they look down, they don't see their hands because they, their brain has started to just adapt to it. And they're looking around like there's, there's a, a a great demo for it called Tuscan Villa. And people are looking around in this, walking around this lovely Tuscany uh, house. And after a minute or two, they're, they're so accustomed to walking around that they happen to look down and they realize they can't see their hands and feet. And they freak out because <laughs> it's it's just, you know, the brain is going, wait a second, we're invisible. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's that good. It actually tricks your brain, you know. And that's this is only the development kit. So if they really get it right, uh, you know, it's going to be freaking amazing, you know. Yeah, it blows my mind. All this stuff, it really does. Oh, uh, it, it is fantastic. And then of course it it comes down. Sony have theirs, the Morpheus. Um, so I I think it'll be like the old VHS days. There'll be a bit of a battle going on, and it'll come down to basically whichever one the the adult industry decides to go with. Everyone will buy. So you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not saying people that it'll be decided whichever one you can get porn movies for, but it, it probably will. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Joe. That's you it. Me, now you've got me thinking. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Someone's yeah. got. Someone's already gone to Oculus Rift and got his order in there. Yeah, Mookie videos apparently, uh, allegedly, apparently are fantastic on it. I, I wouldn't know, but uh, I'm a good Catholic myself. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, very good apparently. Um, but yes, it's the future, people. We didn't get we didn't get flying cars, but we got 3D lenses, uh, 3D headsets. And it only took us 20 years after those uh, 
Do you ever play the virtuality? The I don't know if you ever saw it in those ginormous yeah. pods they had in the arcades years ago. Yeah. Um, oh, there's emulation for you. Someone emulated that. <laughs> Someone emulated the system they're doing, and they have it on the Rift, so you can play that really crappy pterodactyl game. <laughs> so, uh, or actually, yeah, well, we're at it. Someone actually emulated the uh, the Virtual Boy in it as well. So, um, and it really hurts your eyes. <laughs> There is some uh, Virtual Boy games on my uh, famous modded Xbox that I keep saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, but it, yeah, you'd have to play it though on, um, on a, I was going to say on a real Virtual Boy, but that would just, uh, it gives you a headache. Uh, I've, I've played it a little bit. Um, I, I know a couple of people that have them, and it's just, you go, oh, wow, it's a 3D, a little bit, and it's like a Tomitronic 3D, but I'm playing as Mario playing tennis or whatever it is, and then 10 minutes later, it's like, my brain hurts. Yeah. Do you think the ultimate goal of this Oculus Rift and, and all the other kind of things, like, I forget, the Morpheus, do you think the, the ultimate goal is, is to be, like, better than life, like the Red Dwarf? Thing? Uh, yeah, that that never really worked it well for anyone in it, did it? Yeah, no, <laughs> right. I've, read, I've read the book. It's oh, worse than the book. Oh, I know, yeah. I remember, yeah, I, I read that, and yeah. I didn't see Wellington's Careful Drivers. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't know, I think that... This is why I was one of the few people excited when Facebook bought the Oculus Rift, guys. I think it's going to be great for gaming. I mean, I, I think people are going to look really stupid doing it. Um, so, it'll, you know, once it catches on, though, I think it's, the one thing I'm really looking forward to is if someone gets the hang of uh, virtual meetings. Like, say, if you were in the army or whatever and you wanted to talk to your wife or something, you know, um, you could actually, you know, she had the headset on, you had the headset on, and you'd meet in a virtual area and it'd be, you know, you could actually meet people in the real world, but not the real world, yeah. if you follow me. And that's a very awkward way of saying it. But I think stuff like that, if they really get that going, that is going to be, it's going to revolutionise things. Um, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm so excited that um, uh, it's John Carmack, isn't it? Uh, yeah, John Carmack, uh, the guy who was working on the the Doom games and Quake games. He's one of the guys behind it, and he's his whole goal is to get down the latency between you moving your head. And it going to the computer, the computer calculating what it should be showing to you, and it going to the lenses. And what that all means is the better he does that, the more it's going to be realistic for you, you know. And I, I don't think it'll replace life, but I think it's going to make, you know, online stuff a hell of a lot more interesting. You know, I think it's really going to do it for that. But um, I know, I think we're still a bit off better than life yet, you know. Just, just think what it could do eventually if it gets to that stage for for. People that can't get girlfriends, for example, you, you put your phone on and you can have a girlfriend right there. It's doomed humanity, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. it's basically humanity probably has like two generations left before people go, I could go out and like a date or I could just, you know, Oculus Rift myself to death, you know. Well, the, the people that have um, survived the the impending nuclear nu- nuclear attacks that are no doubt will come eventually, then people that survived that can stick that on and they can like, you can live uh, life I can't see it no, live yeah, life you could get a totally meta experience you could put it on and you could pretend that you know you're in your nuclear bunker you yeah. put your Oculus Rift on and you could pretend that you're uh, you could play an emulated version of Fallout 3 in someone's bedroom so you could play your, your apocalyptic wasteland game uh, through the headset while being in an apocalyptic wasteland it's just you know I think you could just totally meta game like that that'll be fun for everyone yeah um, yeah, that, like I say, that that excites me as, me as well. Yeah. One day I'll get one. Anyway, um, the the final thing is, um, I don't know if you've picked this, but you you get to pick a book as well. Um, I I was trying to pick one because you know there wasn't. I was going to pick some funny thing, and then I was you know, but at the end of the day, if I was stuck with one book to read, yeah. um, or I want an incredibly long, actually no, 
there's a book there's a guy called Neil Stevenson and he started off writing science fiction um, he wrote lots of kind of uh, actually one of his books Snow Crash really predicted a lot of the way online stuff would be uh, before it all happened like you know virtual communities and that yeah. but he goes out and he researches everything and he gets into it but anyway he wrote a book called Cryptonomicon and it sounds really boring it's about a guy who uh, is working with his mate and they're starting to come up with this encryption system for something but then it cuts back to one of his ancestors in World War 2 and it's bizarre because it's like uh, it's like a kind of spy thriller and a World War Two thriller and uh, a book about hacking, and it's everything rolled into one. And it's about six trillion pages long. So not only is it a really cool book, uh, and lots of different types of books rolled into one, it's also really long as well. So it'll do me for a for a good while. So uh, Cryptonomicon, it's worth worth having a look for, and it's a really long name. <laughs> yeah, I need to, fig- need to figure out how to. S- so I can't speak. All of a sudden, I can't speak. I'm having a stroke. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll need to learn how to spell it first. Uh, I could probably, could I spell, uh, if you look up Neil Stevenson, and he spells his name N-E-A-L, which is, I've never heard of anyone spelling it like that before, but yeah, it, he wrote that, he wrote another series of books, which are based around the ancestors of Cryptonomicon, and it's, and he says, I don't really think of them as being four books, I think of them as being just one long book, separated by, you know, uh, by the publisher, um, so and each of those books is a couple of thousand pages long, so it's like, if you put them all together, it'd be like the phone book. But uh, yeah, Neil Stevenson, Neil N E A L. Have a look for him, and you'll find all this cool stuff. And you'll find Cryptonomicon, which I'm not even going to try and spell, but uh, is a really long name. But uh, it is probably my, it's one of my favourite books, um, and it is definitely what I bring it to a desert island because anything else I really like would be too short and only give me a day or two. So uh, this will be really long. Yeah, I've seen people spell Neil N E A L E. Oh, this is a. Hang on, maybe. Hang on. To the Googles! Hang on, let's look. I'm certain it's N-E-A-L, but hang on. There used to be a guy that played for uh, Aberdeen and then Rangers. It was called Neil Cooper, and he had a, a, an E at the end of his name, Neil. It's, it's, it's one of those names you can spell a couple of different ways. Uh, it is N-E-A-L. I'm looking at a picture of him now, and he's a magnificent-looking goatee going on here. He's, he's quite a scary-looking guy. Uh, he looks like, actually looks a bit like Alan Moore, the the the, uh, the guy who wrote uh, Watchmen. If he got like a haircut, but, you know, kept his... his cool beard but yeah uh neil n-e-a-l stevenson and have a look for it it's cryptonomicon and now that i'm looking at it it's c-y it's c-r-y-p-t-o-n-o-m-i-c-o-n and that is bloody long uh i'll see if i can get it on ibook it's 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 uh, it's out there um there are yeah i think it's it's definitely on google play so it's probably on ibooks as well and it is you're better off getting it on a, an e-reader because it's huge. You don't want to be lugging this thing around. But it's it's a really good read. I really enjoyed it. And uh, as I said, if I was on Desert Island, it'd probably be my go-to book. Excellent. Well, I think we've uh, I think we're on long enough. Let's see. I don't know five minutes. Sorry, folks. Yeah. I, once I start talking, you just can't shut me up. So uh, I, I do know something. I absolutely love it when I get a guest on like yourself that uh, likes to likes to talk because it means I don't need to talk. But it's because yeah. <laughs> the people the people don't want to hear me every single. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, you don't want the ones interviews like, oh, why did you like that game? I don't know. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I do tend to talk way too much. No, but, that's that's perfect. Um, that's as far as I'm concerned <laughs> the less talking I can get away with the better no worries man yeah. well you've been absolutely brilliant uh, have you got any closing thoughts anything you want to plug in on your uh, channel or anything like that yeah well first of all the channel um, if you go to letsgetretro.com I'm there I, I think the channel if you or if you go into YouTube and look for Let's Get Retro you'll find me as well um, I'm also and I haven't mentioned it, this is the first time I've actually mentioned this outside you know anyone really I am, I'm going to have a demo for uh, an RPG up soon on Let's Get Retro I've been working on it now for a couple of months 
Um, so it's uh, going to be um, it's an RPG. It's going to be one of a series, um, and it's going to be called Quest for Cash. It's basically going to be all about stealing money. It's none of this, none of this lovely stuff that oh, I'm liberating, you know, I'm I'm rescuing the princess or I'm saving the kingdom. You're just basically losing money. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be up, I'd say, in the next week or two. And uh, so if you check it out, there should be a, a demo um, for it there, and you can check it out. It'll be on PC, I'm afraid, because I have no idea how to get stuff onto Xbox yet. But it's a, a top down. Um, J- jrpg style thing and hopefully you'll enjoy it because it, it i hope it's kind of funny and it's good as well so uh check check let's get retro in a couple of weeks and you should see the announcement and the game up there as well and uh when i do find to get the full version out it'll be free and you know if you like it just let me know and if you hate it just don't let me know <laughs> plug it off. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but yeah uh it'll be up um the it's currently called quest for cash uh episode zero bank balance rising um, um, that, that name is probably going to change, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's going to be up on the on the channels on the uh, sorry on the website the next week or two. So check back then, and uh, again, let me know if you like it or hate it or want me to change anything or whatever. But yeah, that's that's it. That's all my news. Well, there you go, folks. That's a, a Desert Island Games exclusive <laughs> news. <laughs> I'm so look forward to that. No worries, man. Listen, thanks very much for having me. Thank and apologies, it took so long to get me on. No, it's it's worth the wait, Bob. Worth the wait. Yeah, thank you once again, and uh, good night. And uh, I shall let you know, um, give you a wee link when it's up, so you can listen back. Fantastic, man. All See right. you later. Good All night. Right. Bye.